what's up life map money hey brother how are you doing doing very well how about yourself i like your shirt it looks good thank you man this is one of these shirts where i took your advice for where you said if you ever find a shirt that fits you buy the same one but in a different color so i have the same exact shirt in blue as well ah uh, that is wise my friend mm -hmm. the thing is if a shirt fits you really well just buy more of it lately you know i've since i've been cutting i'm down to a much better body fat now and i've been getting my shirts adjusted so now i have this issue where the sh if i buy a shirt that's in like large or medium the arms will not fit me but if i buy a shirt that's excel then mm -hmm. it's going to have too much material in the stomach so i have to buy shirts and then get them adjusted now gotcha so do you have a personal uh, personal ta tailor i actually know a tailor he's not like a personal tailor mm -hmm. there's a lot of tailors in india it's a in indian clothing right indian traditional clothes they typically tend to be handmade and there are a lot of talented ta tailors everywhere in india so finding a tailor is really easy and it's pretty cheap did you ever have a bad tailor before not yet mm -hmm. i've only recently started using tailors so it might just happen soon right it's one of the um, annoying things because there was this little cheat code that some people discovered here where uh, before buying custom suits was a thing a lot of people would go to a place called burlington coat factory have you heard of that place i have not so it's this place that has a bunch of different suits that you could get for cheap so a lot of people would buy these large suits for let's say 75 bucks and then they would take those large suits to a tailor and get it tailored for 50 bucks and they think they found some sort of cheat code and what happened is that they tried to do that for some time and the tailors will make or break whether or not this was a good idea because sometimes the tailors do a good job but other times they miss a spot and there's this big puffiness on your suit and now you got to go back and this time when you go back they're trying to fix it uh they're showing you an attitude the tailors are like i did my job and it's a big mess so i think it's way better to just buy that custom fit suit the first time it's expensive but it's worth it regarding suits i agree with you but for something like a t-shirt you don't really get custom made t-shirts do you no with t-shirts you're going to have to do it yourself and you're going to be in this weird spot now harsh because you went from being this bulking maniac to now cutting cutting maniac <laughs> <laughs> i never hear the end of it from my family there you know how as people who are into fitness we know what fitness is right like if i'm seeing veins that's a good thing seeing veins is amazing you know and now i'm very veiny in my upper arms and everywhere else my biceps are veiny yet to gain yet to get too many veins in my forearms for some fucking reason i get veins above but not below at least not yet mm -hmm. and i still need to lose like a couple kilos for you know being much more veinier but in india if your veins appear they they assume that you're malnutritioned <laughs> like you're not eating enough what are, you, what are you doing like we can see veins everywhere this is not supposed to happen so i never hear the end of this from my family lately eat more what are you doing are they roasting you oh they're not roasting me but i'm i'm hearing this more and more now 
what are you hearing about the veins or the fact that you're losing weight and they think you're starving yourself? Both. So the veins, see, I'm at this point where I need to cut four more kilos, four or five more kilos. And then I look really good. Then mm-hmm. I would look closer to like an actor or a model. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be like 13, 12% body fat back if after losing five kilos. And that's roughly But, 11 pounds for us, our American listeners. Um, yeah, in retard units, in it retard. is 11 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, okay, okay. So right now, though, I'm at a tough spot. I'm at like 18 or 17% body fat where I'm thin enough that you can see the veins in my neck and everything. And it triggers Indian parents. Like, well, what's up? Like, we can see veins everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's not lean enough that you look like a model. So it doesn't fit either side of the perception. <laughs> you're now stuck between both sides. You're so close to the glory. And now you're... your family and i'm assuming some of your friends are saying what you don't work out anymore because you probably <laughs> don't look as big with a shirt on right i don't look as big with a shirt on but i'm going to mm-hmm. cut five more kilos and then let's see mhm then i'll bulk again bulk to 200 this time huh 200 are you or 90 it's, kilos it's such an annoying problem to have though because when you are cutting the amount of discipline that it takes from sleeping right to eating right to lifting right uh, and now you're finally almost getting there you're thinking you're going to get a pats on the back like good job man like look at you man you're ripped up but often especially based on your environment you get the exact opposite reaction than you were expecting It's so annoying man it's definitely a little annoying but i understand where they're coming from you know Mm-hmm. in this they did not grow up grew up in our culture where they're looking at social media they're looking at models and people like that and they aren't used to people being that lean if you look at natural bodies people who lift mm-hmm. as a natural trainee if you are big then you're also going to have some fat and if you are you know lean then you're going to look skinny you can't both be skinny and big at the same time you can't both be ripped and huge unless you're taking steroids and mm-hmm. what that means is that what is fit in our perception is weak in their perception because when they think of a strong person they're thinking of someone who's big but also has fat and now that i'm cutting i look skinny and weak to them mhm so i was telling my father how can i be weak i just squatted you know twice of your weight in front of you mm-hmm. and he's like yeah, i get all of that i'm just telling you that you look weak He told you this. <laughs> in Hindi, I mean, you know, it's not as it's not offensive in Hindi. In Hindi it's like kamzor lag rahe ho. That's not it's not offensive. It just means that you're looking like tinier. But does it hurt your feelings when you hear you got small? Not really. I mean, I'm looking at least after the veins and everything start to show much better on my forearms, it's going to be much better. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm in that stupid middle zone where, you know, it's 17% body fat. you can't call yourself fat but you can't call yourself lean either you know you're somewhere out there in the middle where all the big people think you're small and the small people think you're too big mm-hmm. <laughs> both groups are saying you're not one of us yet <laughs> <laughs> for me it used to hurt my feelings because i would say i was 20 to 21ish when i went from really big to now leaning up and i did it in the summer so by the time i came back into school people hadn't seen me for roughly 3 to 4 months and 
one reaction was, wow, look, you're so lean. And other people were saying, oh, my God, what happened to you? Did, did you stop working out? And a lot of them said it in a nasty way, too. They'd say, you don't lift anymore? In a like this snarky attitude. And I, I wanted to tell them, I still lift, but I have a different body type. But you explaining it from one person to the next eventually gets exhausting. And a lot of people are driven back to bulking for that reason. I know what you're talking about. Uh, I, I've experienced this before when I do bulk and cut cycles. People mm-hmm. like, what, what the fuck happened? Like, actually, some people are a little dumb about this where even girls, right? If when you are big, let's say that, I'll give you an example. What What's the lowest body fat percentage you've been? You've been ripped, right? I've been ripped. I, I would say it was a 9 to 10 10-ish. Try this when you're ripped. Work out, then flex really hard and take a picture close up with the right lighting so you know you can see all the definition and everything and show it to a girl. Mm-hmm. And when a girl looks at that, she's going to say, hey, that's too big. That's too mm-hmm. much. That's too big. Yep. And then take a picture in slightly worse lighting and the definition is not going to be there as much. And the same girl will say, hey, now you look good. So people don't know what the hell they're talking about. They don't. They're just, yeah, they, they really do not know what they're talking about. It still gets to some people, though. Especially because the ignorant ones are the loudest. So they'll then be telling their buddies, hey, the Ar- Armani and her stopped working out. And then <laughs> when they see us, they'll be like, what happened? I hate that question, man. Um, where, when you're bulking, you get some sort of respect as a baseline because you look pretty big with your shirt on. Uh, people could see your shoulders, their the traps. It passes the eye test. But when you take off your shirt, let's say you're going to the beach, uh, which is pretty common. Uh, you're going to the pool, something like that. Now it's like, oh, man, this guy doesn't look that good. So it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. The answer is steroids, boys. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> TRT, guys. Have, have you tried TRT? I'm too young for TRT, man. But I will once I'm like 35 or something. I've heard of guys. Isn't it normal to do it also in your 20s? Or am I completely off? Some people do it now. Personally, my testosterone is not low, so I don't need to do it. And to be honest with you lmm is like a very small fraction of my income at this point and the last thing i want to do is become a fitness model to make slightly more money from LMM. <laughs> if i was a fitness influencer then probably i would be doing it you know mm-hmm. then it's a part of my career right then if i don't look ripped and big then it's like why should we listen to you but yeah. since i don't i'm not a fitness model i don't i'm not a fitness influencer i don't need to do those things I'm pretty fit. I have an active life. I'm I can I'm stronger than most people out there. And I want to make more money from actual businesses, so I don't particularly care about TRT at this point. But I will do it once I grow older and my T levels decline. Mhm. Isn't that one of those things where you need to consistently do it? So if you make the decision to do it, you need to keep re-upping every month or every other month. You don't need to keep re-upping every month, but it's good to maintain it. I'm not, I haven't done enough research about this topic to comment. So I don't want to, you know, spew anything that I do not understand completely. But mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on cutting? I know that you've been ripped before. So how did you do it? And how many calories do you recommend cutting per day? 
lately i've been cutting like 700 to 600 a day mm -hmm. so i was uh six foot and 195 by the time i started and i was roughly uh 172 ish uh and i'm talking about pounds by the way by the time Can that you i was done that to uh normal people units yes i was 86 kilograms when i started and i was roughly 78 kilograms by the time i was done and honestly man uh this was around 2011 so there weren't all these different fitness influencers out there all i had were uh, uh the p90x so i was doing that i was following the meal plan i was initially cutting 500 calories and i was doing it every day i i got my sleep i became somewhat uh, i wouldn't say antisocial but i wasn't going out partying with all these other guys because you need some sort of discipline when you're cutting especially when you're trying to do it in 3 months you can't have uh, any mess ups so by the time that i was uh two months in i looked at myself one day i'm like armani you're looking fatter you don't look skinnier uh, and this is pissing me off because i'm putting in all this work and i'm looking fatter as i'm looking at my progress pics and it just so happened that there was this guy uh, this bodybuilding guy in my uh, one of my classes and i asked them i said yo what gives and he starts to ask me some questions and he found out that i was drinking too much water uh, i was drinking uh, i think uh, like six of these uh, six or seven of these per day and he's like you need to cut it back to four because overhydrating is a thing as well and once i fixed my water intake boom the abs started to show and i couldn't believe it i was like whoa these were here the whole time so by the end of the two and a half month to three month mark that's when the abs were popping out and that's when i took that one picture i showed you in one of our past episodes interesting so it was the bloat that was preventing your abs from being visible right because a lot of people will misdiagnose that issue Uh, where if i didn't have that bodybuilding friend i would think uh, eat less calories that's the only logical answer but he told me no 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 you're already getting little calories as it is you need to fix the water intake and that wasn't even a thought in my mind i've heard of dehydration at that point but never overhydration interesting did you try out some diuretic like you know taking coffee or you know a root or something to piss out all the water I did low take, carb. Um I did take coffee uh and there was um there's certain supplements that P90X recommends that you get. I believe one of them is called Suma. Uh, I didn't get it uh, but the person I was doing it with got it and he felt really good. Let me see if I could find the name of it. Yeah, it's called Suma root. And I don't know what the heck it did. I just don't like to take supplements and stuff unless I need it. You see, I, I would much rather prefer real foods, uh, meat, uh, vegetables, and such. So I don't even like protein shakes too much. And when this guy was taking Suma and all of that, I'm like, eh, you could do that. I'm just gonna stick with food. Uh, so I just kept it uh, food and coffee. Interesting. I've heard that there are. I haven't tried it yet, but there's a root. I, I forget what it's called. I think it's dandelion root or some root mm -hmm. that bodybuilders take, and it's supposed to flush out a lot of excess water from your body and kill bloat. Dude, bloating is one of the most annoying things because you could be doing everything right, but unless you get your water 
right, you're always going to look a little chubby. Let me Google how do bodybuilders kill bloat. There is some route they take. I have a friend who's a bodybuilder. He was telling me. I have heard of dandelion root now that you're bringing it up. Oh, yes. Dandelion root. Let me search. Dandelion root diuretic. Diuretic, yeah. Yeah, it's a diuretic. I'm going to try it, yes. Mm -hmm. Do you take any other supplements besides protein shakes? I take whey protein. Mm -hmm. I take cod liver oil. I take vitamin D. I take 5,000 IU of vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Then occasionally I'll take a multivitamin. Occasionally I'll take ashwagandha. You know what ashwagandha is, right? It's an Ayurvedic herb. Mm -hmm. I've heard of it before. (laughs) And how long have you been cutting for overall? Has it been three-month mark, more than that? So I cut six months last year Mm -hmm. and a couple months this year. So... I, I'll tell you what, I made a huge mistake following the starting strength diet. I fucked up. Do you remember how much I was eating, right? I was eating 4,000 calories a day. Mm-hmm. And I took that all the way up to 30% body fat. It was fucking insane. 30%? I went insane. Look, I, it was a dumb shit thing to do. So before <laughs> that, I was at like 13 or 12% body fat. Mm-hmm. And I ate 3,500 calories for like 9 or 10, 12 months straight. And I just blew up. My strength increased by a lot. Were you actually but fat? I mean, did you have a gut and man boobs? I got fat. 30% body fat is fat. It's like, there are no two ways about it. What, but were, I was your getting... parents, were, were your parents roasting you? Or they're like, I remember, you know, uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine calling me. He's like, Harsh, what happened to you? Like, what are no you way. doing? No way. <laughs> She's like, is everything okay? Like, do you want to meet me? <laughs> like, no, I just, I'm bulking. <laughs> See, girls don't care about how much you can lift, right? Like, a girl does not give a fuck that you can squat 180. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit. They're like, you look fat. What are you doing? Stop. It's a good feedback to get because if you're with your boys, they're only evaluating you from the lens of how much is this guy lifting, but they're not factoring in the aesthetics at all. So that's when if you introduce some girls, they'll say, ew. And then when you hear <laughs> enough, ew, it's like, oh, okay, okay, let, let me cut back just a little bit. <laughs> you know, the thing about girls and boys is that after a certain point, you become stronger and stronger. And instead of impressing girls, you start impressing guys. That's you true. Know, you're, mm-hmm. You've gotten fat, you're lifting more, and guys are like, yeah, baby. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Come chill with us. Come work out with us. Yeah, you can do it. You can lift light weight. <laughs> and girls are like, so when are you going to see you? Harsh, when are you going to start cutting? <laughs> Please start cutting. Okay, so when you're, when you're uh, at this stage right now, you're hearing a lot of, are, did you stop lifting? But when you were heavy, you were hearing a lot of, hey, you're getting fat. Hey, at we're, this point, I haven't heard, have you stopped lifting yet? So mm-hmm. let's hope that does not happen. It's going to happen, man. It's going to happen from one snarky guy who who loves to talk a lot uh, or girl. 
okay, or a, a relative. Uh, I don't know. Girls have been loving the cut. All the girls I know, they've been like, "Hey, you look so hot right now." Simply mm-hmm. because you can, they can see some veins and you know the jawline is starting to reappear. And girls are pretty happy with it, but you know your lips suffer. Like my squad has gone down a little bit, and it's like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, whatever. But I've, I've started caring less about it. I just want to lose the fat now, and then we'll bulk again. This time, mm-hmm. much slower. Yeah. Not three thousand five hundred calories a day. <laughs> Two thousand five hundred is not bad. Three thousand five hundred is. Three thousand five hundred. Oh, you said three thousand. That's 3, a lot, man. That's a, a lot. It was all food, or you were eating a lot of, or drinking a lot of soda as well. It was all food, no, no sodas. I was waking up sometimes at night to eat. Hmm. See, this is one of the things that made me stop watching a lot of the fitness content, because they cater a lot of their advice to as if you're trying to center your life around fitness there was this one guy who has a pretty decent physique he's like you really gotta want it otherwise you're just wasting your time you need to take a food scale into restaurants doesn't matter how um, how when where why you always take a food scale with you in addition to that you need to wake up at three in the morning drink a protein shake he's going in um, shopping doing his grocery shopping and he has like 60 different ingredients I'm like, bro, I'm not trying to do all that. You are centering your entire life around fitness, which is fine. You're getting money from that. But for the average person, they just need to be healthy. And I wonder if there's more influencers that target that group, the group that's just trying to be healthy. There are many who do that. But Mm. okay, firstly, I don't see the point of waking up in the night and eating a protein shake. That's overkill. Mm -hmm. I mean... You really do not need to do that. That's that's such overkill. In the sense that if you're so concerned about protein being in your body at night, you need to, instead of having whey, start having casein protein or something. It digests slower. Mm-hmm. But I think I think that waking up and then drinking protein, then brushing your teeth, and then going to sleep is just too much. I mean, these are Regard- folks that are, are centering their life around it. It's their career. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you take someone like Conor Murphy, he needs to be fit. I mean, that's how he built his brand, right? Yeah. And when he started becoming less fit, people were like, what the hell? What happened to you? Mm-hmm. So I get it. Plus, there's so much competition in this whole fitness niche industry where everybody's taking steroids and everybody looks jacked as hell. So if you're like a random dude who's fit and you follow a healthy lifestyle and you're making content on being healthy... You just look like a random dude. You don't look like a fitness influencer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, you don't even like stand out. Man, this is a cheat code that I'm about to say. This is why the accounts you should be following for fitness are these fitness guys that are targeting 40-year-old dads. Okay? Because these guys already factor in the whole idea of having a family, you being in your 40s, not in your 20s. And they have this minimalist approach. Uh Besides Matt Stevens, another guy that I really like getting content from is uh, the Primal Man. That's his name on Twitter, Chris. And I he have is. Heard of that guy. Let me have a look. He's in his forties, I believe, and he does not look it at all. And the type of advice that he gives is so freaking reasonable. Uh, where uh, he he doesn't make you do all these hoopla and everything. He talks about the fundamentals. I think he was an engineer before as well. And I noticed if you're an engineer before, you give brilliant advice because you're a processes sort of guy. You're not trying to get clicks, views, and everything. 
So an underrated way to get simple fitness advice is to find these fitness influencers that target dads. I'm having a look at this Chris guy that you're mentioning. The primal man, right? Mm-hmm. Watch his media. Click the media part of his Twitter. One sec. Let me open it. Mm, okay. Present, share screen, and window, and Chris. Awesome. So I already follow him. Mm-hmm. Despite not knowing who he was, interestingly, <laughs> I clicked the media part of his of his profile. Ooh, nice! This guy is strong as hell. Five hundred and fifteen retard units is pretty good. <laughs> he's in his forties, I believe. He's a big dude. He's six four. Nice. Let me see. Mm-hmm. Good job, brother. <laughs> He's like, why is Life Math Money looking at a post of mine from December 4th, 2021? The guy is strong as hell. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, Chris, good job. It's good. You, you should come on uh, the Unapologetic Truth podcast one of these days. He's, He's pretty a great guy. lean, too. Pretty lean. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yep. I agree with this. Walking with no phone is much better than walking with a phone. Because when you walk with a phone or some headphone, it takes away from the experience. It it doesn't let your brain be still. I'm the opposite, man. I love to listen to music when I'm walking. You don't listen to any music? In a circle somewhere, in a garden or something, and not in nature. No, I walk in nature too. I do listen to audiobooks sometimes, but lately, since I've gotten back into writing, I find that it's best to walk without music because when you walk without music, you end up writing the article in your head. Mm-hmm. Have you been doing this recently? I've been doing this for quite a while. So whenever I start writing, I stop going out with my phone. And this way, when I'm walking, my brain is still and I can think of the article without thinking. If that mm. I don't know if that makes sense to people who don't write. But mm-hmm. you know, when you write, you can't just, you know, take up your chair and be like, I'm gonna write now. The thing has to come to you, and you have to let it come to you. And the best times that happens is when you give yourself nothing to think of, no objective reason. And that's why a lot of people they get their best thoughts when they're taking a shit. Or taking a shower because that's the only time they're not thinking they, they're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Whether it was Ernest Hemingway, Nikola Tesla, Jordan Peterson, a lot of the brightest thinkers, writers of our generation and past generation, one thing they all had in common was that they walked a lot. How much do you walk in a day? I walk roughly well with intent. Uh, I walk 35 minutes. I, I do this one loop around my area. Uh, but throughout the day, obviously, I'm walking. But with intent, where it's scheduled strictly for that, it's 35 minutes. Nice. And the thing, how many walking, steps is that? Three thousand steps. You need to walk more. You're not walking enough. Well, I'm talking about just for those 35 uh, minutes. I'm just over here. For me, I like to listen to music, visualize, and all of that. Other than that, I'm walking a lot throughout the day. How many steps are you walking in a day? I don't know. I don't have the whole 
the fitness tracker, but I, I know I walk a lot. It, it's a one of those things that I have to do. But I'm you ask me with intent, right? Like, what's my routine? No, I mean the total number of steps. Intent, no intent. I don't know about the total number of steps. Well, I need a fitness tracker for that, right? Your f- smartphone has it, right? Do you use an iPhone or an, an Android phone? My Samsung Android. one tracks it. Oh, does it? Yeah. It's a, if it's a Samsung, then it has an application called Samsung Health. You can install it or probably comes pre-installed. Okay. And it tracks your thing automatically. So lately I've been walking like 15,000 to 10 to 15,000 steps a day, sometimes more. It's pretty good. We should have a walking competition. I actually did that with a business partner of mine. We used, we had a walking competition. Mm-hmm. And the person who would lose would have to take the winner out to the most expensive restaurant in the city, which is like a thousand bucks a meal. And we had a tie. Thousand dollars? Thousand dollars. Thousand dollars. And we had a tie. A tie? How do you know? <laughs> a tie. tie. It's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So we had an Excel sheet, which we used to update. Yeah. You know, this is how many steps I walked today. And we were going crazy. So initially we would walk 10,000 steps, but none of us wanted to lose. And my business partner and I, so this chick is super competitive. And so day one, 10,000, 10,000. And then it was like 15,000. And then it was going up to 25, 35,000 steps a day. And it was going completely crazy. And I was like waking up, walking two hours after lunch, <laughs> walking an hour. <laughs> after dinner walking two hours and at that point i think i was starting to lose some muscle from all the walking Mm, i could see that i mean you're walking a lot that's one thing that a lot of people who have corporate jobs do Uh, they nowadays a lot of these corporations are creating pathways at their work and these employees are just walking all the time and this is when i discovered some people are such fucking slow walkers and that's when i found out that pet peeve of mine where if you see me walk, you got to keep up. It's pretty, it's these long strides, right? But some guys are so slow. And I'm saying, look, gentlemen, if you are going to walk slow, walk to the left or walk to the right. Don't walk in the center. This is poor etiquette. And I'm creating this etiquette in my mind. Like, how can people walk this freaking slow? And that's when I realized different people walk for different reasons. Some people, if you're listening to music, there's going to be a stride to you. But let's say you're just talking and chit-chatting with a buddy. It's going to be slow. So everyone walks with a different purpose in mind. I agree. I will say one thing, though. I can't stand slow walkers, man. It depends on the surface you're walking on. Hmm. In the sense that if you're walking on a soft surface, like on a beach or some kind of in a children's playground where it's you know done with that, thermocall type thing mm-hmm. you can walk pretty fast without issues but if you're walking on say road and you're walking fast you're kind of pounding your knees too hard at least when i when i was walking twenty thousand steps a day sometimes i would do it on pavement or on road and my knees would hurt like mm. they, they would be like oh ouch fuck i should not have done that okay do you so ever go for a run i don't run i don't run i don't just don't do it mm-hmm the, the only reason I don't run is that I have a bad knee and it's, I don't want to make it worse. I don't really know why I have a bad knee. I think it's from the trekking. The trekking and probably all that deadlifting too. Or squatting. Could be either, but I think it's from the trekking. So I did a descent trek, which was 
a couple days of descending straight and it was completely fucking crazy and it ever since then my knee has not been the same my left knee has slightly been a little bothersome i don't want to make it worse you know oh have you gone trekking recently i recently went to the lower himalayas for trekking mm have you ever done have you ever done zip lining yeah skydiving no zip lining is actually jumping? boring have you done it yeah i've done it it wasn't boring to me why do you think it, it lasts like 20 seconds and it's done yeah but did you go through one of those courses or did you just do one and that was it one one i did one man that doesn't count you got to keep ascending more and more and that that's where the hype is about where when ah. i did it yeah when i did it it was in hawaii and at first we had to do this practice run and i kid you not man there was this big dude right he looked like this lumberjack guy and whenever you're doing zip lining in these big courses you're given a class that you're tackling it with okay so mm-hmm. this big guy was in my class and for the first one this is the practice one where we're just going from here to here to understand uh, the basic etiquette he is panicking he is literally trembling he's shaking he's like i can't do this i can't do this and the other people within his class were trying to hype him up or like come on man you could do it and he's literally shaking and tears are coming down his eyes cuz he's that afraid of heights you see so eventually i do it and uh, all the other people do it besides this guy and we're all t- yelling at him from across the other side we're like bro you can do it come on man just do it look we all survived and he literally has a panic attack he cries and he doesn't end up he doing cried? it he cried he cried dude because imagine your worst fear okay and now you're being taught told to overcome this fear in front of all these other folks and he keeps looking down i'm like bro stop looking down all right just keep looking at us and just do what the instructor is telling you to do and he just kept looking down he overthought he cried and he didn't make it to the next one the bravest kids the bravest ones were there were two little kids that were in our class one was 7 the other one was 9 brother sister and they were so freaking brave bro they um no fear uh, no fear at all uh, they would always be the first to go they're joking around and everything and these two little kids put this big guy to shame people get scared man especially when heights are involved and you have to realize it's only going to get harder from there this was just a practice run so if you can't do the practice run the last one we had to do was at least 10 times the size of the practice run and if you look down then you're going to be panicking i guess this guy made the smart call for him because he was that scared interesting i've noticed something different though i'll tell you what mm-hmm. when i go hiking there are some people who are so afraid of looking down that they don't look down and i always like to look down when i go hiking i want to look down see how high up i am and be like i climbed this much mm-hmm. it makes me feel proud i don't really know why but it makes me feel like i've conquered this mountain and i don't feel scared of heights but i can see how why some people do mhm but it's really just a height you know why are you scared of it i could definitely empathize with them man i mean 
see with hikes, I don't mind looking down, but with zip lining, I do mind looking down. I look down anyways. Let me see, and I'm like, whoa! I feel it. I feel that heart heart throb. <laughs> with zip lining, though, it just lasts. It's not long enough. At least with the one I did was not that long, mm-hmm. and I found it to be super underwhelming. It was super cheap. It cost like three or four dollars. I was like, ah, who cares? But for something that lasted ten seconds, I was expecting more. No, I don't think you did did the right one. You got to do one of those courses where it just progressively gets harder and harder, and longer and longer, and higher and higher. And each time that you conquer it, the instructor is saying, "Next one, wait till you see the next one." And then you get in one of those uh, driving things. What's it called? A Humvee or something? And then they take you to the next one, and there's that adrenaline that's building up, and you're thinking, "Oh, the last one was high. This one is supposed to be higher," and that is the experience. See, next time I'm I'm in Florida, we're gonna do this. Well, we have to go to Hawaii, so come to Florida, and I'll take you to Hawaii. Have you heard of Sounds Hawaii? Sounds good. I have heard of Hawaii. Yes, it's the mm-hmm. you know the the dancing girls' place, right? Mm-hmm. Get what they're called. The hula dancers. Uh, the hula dancers. Man, the Hawaii trip happened in the most random way, Harsh. Um, so what happened was I was applying for my, my master's program, right? And when you're applying for your master's program, you have to write an essay as to why you deserve to join the program. You with me so far? Mm-hmm. So I write this essay, and I'm nervous because it's a make or break sort of essay. So I, I ask my high school English teacher to proofread it. He proofreads it in a day, and he fixes up a lot of the grammar issues, and now it looks polished. And I said, "Doctor Holt, thank you so much. Uh, if you ever need anything, let me know." And that's when he said, "Actually, Armani, I do need something." And I asked what. And basically, this guy is seventy-five years old, right? And he's having an end-of-life crisis. He thinks he's going to die at any moment, and he says, "Look." I've been trying to climb this mountain in Hawaii for the past thirty uh, years, but each time I get to it, I panic. And this is the year I want to uh, climb this mountain, Armani. And here's what I want you to do: I want you to come to Hawaii with me. I will pay for your trip. I will give you two hundred dollars a day, and you have to make sure that I conquer each of my fears. I'm like, man, what the heck? Uh, how often do you get a free trip to Hawaii? <laughs> so this guy. Is saying he's going to. He's my old school uh, teacher. He's saying he's going to pay for the Hawaii trip for me to help him conquer each fear, and that's why I did the zip lining thing because that was one of his fears. Man, that sounds amazing. I like mm-hmm. that you went with him, mm-hmm. and I hope it was fun. Yeah. Yep. Seventy-five years old, and he's um, he's still kicking. I've noticed that recently, Harsh. I don't know about you, but people. That are getting older, are not looking old. They're looking pretty young. Do you notice that few people are getting older nowadays? In the mm-hmm. sense that, when I go to my hometown, I mean my village, if you die at eighty nine, they say that you died young. They say that you died before your time. So unless you die at ninety one or above, they act like. You know, it's a tragedy. You died. You didn't live as long as you were supposed to. Mm-hmm. And here in the city, 
it's a fairly normal thing for people to die in their 60s so 65 year old dying is like normal here people don't care about the 65 year old dying they're like ah he was supposed to die it was his time and people in their 70s are considered like at the end of their life right now but in my hometown and all these you know smallest villages living until 95 getting close to 100 is so normal that if you die at 89 they look at you weird like this guy had at 89 like they look at whoa. the dead body weird yeah you know so why do you think that is though why do you think in villages they're outlasting the city folks they have more active lives they don't eat as much and they are thinner and they walk more so people in villages they don't lift weights they don't have gyms and they eat a natural diet so they are thin they are mm-hmm. lean they aren't they aren't like bodybuilders right they aren't bigger than the natural human body was supposed to be they're lean they're thin and they walk a lot and that keeps their body young and that keeps their body disease free it keeps their heart healthy their arteries fine look at how people die when they die in their 60s and 70s almost no one in the city dies naturally they don't die from falling sick most people die from a heart attack a heart attack death is like let's say you have a machine okay let's say that you have a computer a heart attack is like a short circuit it's like something went wrong in the circuit and now the entire thing is stopped working versus a death from old age is like the entire machine deteriorating over time and everything breaks down at once later hmm so with a heart attack all your organs everything was fine and then you just die boom and that's because people are eating all these you know shitty ass oils from industrial companies canola oil and things like that yep and they don't walk enough they don't work out enough so they get fat and that kills them over time it's like a slow motion suicide people in small villages are not rich enough to commit slow motion suicide and how much do you think stress plays a factor or do you think that's not that much of a factor stress plays a factor in the sense that it fucks your hormones up mm-hmm. so if you're too stressed you will find that if you eat more instead of gaining muscle you start gaining a lot of fat it ups your cortisol and estrogen somehow and it makes it much harder to gain muscle and it ups your fat gain by a lot and it right. makes you want to eat more in the sense that if you're going through a particularly stressful period you will realize that you're constantly hungry and you always want to eat some sugary thing because the human body when we evolved over millions of years constant stress was never a factor you got stressed when you got hungry and that was a sign for you that okay maybe i should go and hunt something or and eat it you know let me eat something i'm stressed but they were not stressed for months at 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 a time versus now people are stressed day and night every single day mm-hmm. and because of that they're always eating they're, they're eating day and night nonstop and that makes them fat really fast well i would say the old school folks did have stress as well because they were thinking about these saber tooth tigers but there's two kinds of stress there's eustress and distress these guys from our past had eustress which is productive stress you need to have some sort of uh, 
dissatisfaction within in order to grow, in order to fight, in order to be more alert. But our generation has distress, which is just causing you panic attacks and making you worry. The purpose of growth is to turn distress into eustress, where you're seeing, okay, I'm feeling a lot of tension, but rather than sitting on my ass and just worrying about it, how about I do something with it? And that's how people get into the gym. They learn public speaking. They do something. But you you have to turn that distress into eustress. You can't just kill the energy. You need to convert it. And this type of This type of stuff is not taught nowadays where when i was doing public speaking when i was doing emceeing and stuff it taught us about different kinds of stress uh, they'll say hey how are you feeling i'm feeling nervous stop calling it nerve uh, nervous energy call it excitement boom that's you labeled it correctly and once you label it correctly you're winning over the perception and once you win over the perception now that energy is being seen in a positive way and you could use that energy to give a beautiful, you have a nice tonality behind you, but people aren't taught that. They're just taught, oh, poor baby, he's feeling sad. They keep feeling sad. And, and they stay in that distress state. And that builds up. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if this is true. I mean, it could be, it's possible, but they've done studies where they've taken rats and they've injected these rats with hormones that make them feel very stressed. And I'm not sure if the body has different types of stress. I mean, when you're stressed, your body just releases those hormones. I mean, the hormones, when they're released, it makes you feel stressed. Mm -hmm. And when you release those hormones in a rat, it makes them eat more. It makes them put on weight. It makes them break down muscle and then turn it into fat. Right. It's a perception thing. Uh, have you ever done a roller coaster before? I have. And how are you feeling right before the roller coaster is about to drop? Your uh, heart is beating fast. Heart is beating fast. Adrenaline is kicking in. Palms are getting sweaty and such. How do you view it? I don't know about for you, but for the most part, it's viewed as anxiety. And you get the same energy. Well, excuse me. For a lot of people, that's seen as excitement. It's like, yes, I'm about to do this um, roller coaster. But when you're about to do a speech in front of 500 people, it's the same exact physical sensations, identical, rapid heartbeat, palm sweating, dry mouth. But this is viewed as anxiety. So what's the difference between uh, the roller coaster situation and the public speaking situation? Same physical sensations, but one is viewed as excitement. The other is viewed as anxiety. It's a game of perception at this point, where with mouses, it's difficult to do the perception aspect. But with humans, you got to use the right words. I agree with you there, but when I say stress, I don't mean that type of stress. I mean chronic stress. Let's mm. say that you have to pay your rent at the end of the month and you haven't made yeah. any month money this month and you know you go a week stressing, what am I going to do? Am I going to get evicted? Am I going to get kicked out? Will I have to live <laughs> in California and shit in the streets? <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah. So I mean chronic stress, you know, people who work a corporate job, they're often really, really stressed out. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, have you ever had a moment like that? I've had some times where I was really stressed out when I was working way too much, like 15 hours a day for months at an end. Mm -hmm. And I could I noticed that my hair is falling out. Like, I got to chill out. <laughs> oh, you had a you had a ball spot. Or you were actually your hair was thinning. 
I don't know, but you know the front of your head and the mm-hmm. left and right. I don't know what it's called, but mm-hmm. some of it is receded. You can't tell unless I show it to you. It's not bad yet. Let me see. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like it's not too visible, but it start it started to happen. And then I had to make amends. You could say I was just working way too much. I was trying to do too many companies at once, mm-hmm. and it was not good for my health. When you are stressed, do you ever have a panic attack? I never have panic attacks. I don't mm-hmm. really know what people are talking about. The whole anxiety thing. Never had it. Mm-hmm. I don't really know why they're bothering about it. Right. I mean, everybody feels a little amount of scare. when they're about to do something they've never done before or something that's naturally scary you know for example if you're going to cross a running river you're going to feel a bit scared you know <laughs> what if i am not able to swim through and i hit the rock mhm or something like that you're going to have some amount of fear but i've i know some girls who are like they need to go to a therapist because they get anxiety attacks and like, the fuck is wrong with you people right Have you ever talked to a therapist before? No. Mm. Well, I have talked to a therapist before in the sense a therapist is a friend of mine, mm-hmm. but I haven't had a therapist that I've paid. But so this friend of a... yours, were they giving you a free session or were you guys just talking as friends? Just as friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I say friends, it's like an intergenerational friendship. This lady is like 65 years old. I see. But she comes to my gym and, you know, we talk sometimes. Do anyone from your family or your close friend circle do they have a therapist? No. Mm-hmm. Except for for one person I who I think has a therapist. Gotcha. But she got the therapist for free so she's like I'm just using it. Might as well. A lot of <laughs> colleges have that where you could get a free therapist and you could just do 15 minute sessions. Yeah, her workplace has it and apparently you can do the session in the middle of your work hours. And she's like, "Why not? <laughs> I get paid for this." <laughs> Nowadays, there's those virtual therapists. Have you ever gotten the BetterHelp ads? I have not yet. You'll you'll probably see it just because we brought it up in this episode. Now they're gonna track you. Oh no, man! <laughs> They know who we are. Right. Hide the drugs, man. Hide it. Hide it quick. I could see. therapy helping a certain group of people uh, but for another group of people i don't know if therapy is good for them I- i'm not giving medical advice or anything like that uh, but for certain groups of people were talking a lot they feel even more antsy they're doers but there is uh, i would be lying if i said for a large group of people uh, therapy has not helped them uh, there was this girl here that got divorced and the divorce was pretty bad uh, her, it was an arranged marriage and her husband would beat her and everything and she he basically used her for a green card and it was bad and she told her parents right what was going on and the parents said okay well suck it up i mean you're married now what are you going to do get a divorce so the idea of a divorce was not something that was happening at all and this lasted for roughly 3 years And three years goes on by. She eventually divorces the guy, and she lost all contact with her family for not supporting her during that time. And now, as she's at that point, well, what the hell am I gonna do? How am I going to make sense of this? And she's been going to a therapist, and the therapist has certain frameworks to help her get over a divorce. 
And from her personal experience, it's been helping her out a lot. Interesting. How has it been helping her out? I would love to hear more. So what happens is that a therapist is getting all your experiences at first, okay? And they're listening without judgment. And then what happens is that they try to bounce ideas off of you in order to make sense of those experiences. And the more that you make sense of traumatizing experiences, it's something called exposure therapy or something like that. You're, it's starting to lose grasp over you. So for a long time, after that whole debacle happened, her even seeing another guy or going on a date triggered her. But after talking to the therapist for some time, uh, the trigger feeling wasn't there. Where your body physically starts to shut down, that wasn't there. And this allowed her to... Uh, <laughs> Go and tell me more about therapy. Yeah, so the, the, this is what pretty much ended up happening with her, where now she's in a relationship again, and it's looking smooth. Uh, so that's what I've noticed. Okay, so you have a picture pulled up. Go ahead and uh, explain that. Speaking of therapy and men doing therapy, is the word, you know, the, the word that starts with a P and ends with a Y, we'll say that get our <laughs> podcast banned on Twitter, uh, sorry, or on YouTube or anywhere else. The what? The, the word that starts with a P and ends with a Y. Right, right. Synonyms with a cat. Well, yes. If I call the people who go to therapy that word, will we get banned from YouTube? You may, man. Let's just stick with the cat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys are cats, man. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Paying someone to talk? Right. Just lift weights, man. Just lift weights. I will say one thing, though. If you're some kind of war veteran... I get you doing therapy. No hard feelings for that particular thing. But if you're a regular guy, you haven't seen war or combat or something like that, and it's haunting you. You know, some no, you're a normal, regular dude living your life. Mm -hmm. You have no goddamn business going to a therapist. Just fix your life. Start waking up early. Lift weights. Fix your health. Eat good food. Do get into some relationships if you're, you know, some people are depressed about not getting girls. So get some girls, fix that shit, and then you will stop being depressed. Right. You don't need to talk to someone to feel better about a situation. I mean, if I was living a life where I worked an eight-hour job, was fat, was not fit, was not getting enough vitamin D, I too would be depressed and talking to a therapist would not fix it. Because the reason for my depression would have been my shitty-ass lifestyle. Most normal people who are depressed are depressed because of their dumbass lifestyles, their bad diets, and their lack of fitness. And talking to a therapist is not going to fix that. So lift some weights, stop being a cat, and see if you still need to go to a therapist. I think people undermine how helpful lifting weights is. Back to what we were saying earlier, one of the quickest ways to turn distress into eustress is by lifting weights. Not only that, man, but some sort of creative activity as well, where there's a thing called transformational arts. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. So a lot of artists, writers, uh, storytellers, they're born from immense pain. Rather than trying to destroy that pain, they use it in order to create art. And if you're strategic with it, you could create that art and you could build a business around it. So that's called transformational arts. I mean, there's different people out there. I'm not going to say that therapy won't work 
for any groups of people. But I, I completely agree with what you said. It has to be something intense. If you're going to a therapist because you're nervous for an exam next Friday, that is an issue. That means you're not learning how to tackle problems the effective way. And you're not focusing on things within your control. You're not going to the gym, eating right, uh, hanging with other people that are doing difficult things, which is ruining the context of what you consider a problem to be. So that's what I've noticed. So Harsh is never going to be a sponsor for better help. It depends on how big the check is. I mean, <laughs> if it's big enough. <laughs> I had See, someone from the curi- like- I had someone yeah. from the curiosity team reach out to me uh, to do one of the sponsorships, and I thought, wait a minute, curiosity stream? Uh, that's what? Uh, that's the thing with the documentaries. Uh, the, the good I love stuff. that thing. We would love mm-hmm. to promote that. We should promote I use that, that a lot. Mm-hmm. I use that curiosity stream a lot. I end up watching like a documentary every few days. So you actually do watch something? I watch a lot of documentaries when I eat. It's better than watching YouTube. And it's actually pretty informative. Some of these documentaries are really good. I like watching these historical documentaries. It gives you a lot of knowledge about the past. Plus, it has some visuals, so it's not boring. What's but the going last... back to the yes, sponsorship yes, thing, you mm-hmm. should follow up on that. Let's get them as a sponsor. Regarding the better health, health thing, you know, if they want to sponsor us for the therapy thing, we can, if the check is big enough, we'll take your sponsorship, but it's going to say, if you are a cat, this service is for you. <laughs> Sponsorships nowadays are risky because you don't know the business model of someone else. They're just giving you some paperwork and you're hoping for the best, but unless you use the product yourself, it's highly risky or something like curiosity stream will technically work because you actually use the product. You can validate its truth. But when someone is reaching out to you and saying, oh, well, this is a, a certain app that will definitely work. You don't know what time frame they're operating with. Are they trying to get rich quick? Are they operating in long-term thinking? You don't know anything. So sponsorships are risky. And in some ways, you're selling a little bit of yourself as well. I agree with you. It depends on what you're sponsoring, though. I mean, if you're sponsoring some kind of make money quick exchange type of thing, then you can't really be sure. Mm-hmm. But if it's some kind of SaaS product or some kind of tool, then I don't think we have much to worry about. Of course, we'll do our research and, you know, at the end of the day, that's all we can do. And we'll tell people that, we, you know, we just did our research. But other than that, the best way to avoid scamming your users is to stop promoting shitty ass or shady products if we get someone who's like you know we have we came up with a crypto exchange and we would love to promote you to promote it and we're going to pay you you know 30 percent of the fees like it's going to be a no from us because that's shady as hell we have no way of verifying if this is legit or not and the last thing we want to do is promote the next sbf mm-hmm but if, if it's a product that I or you use a lot, then we can promote them for sure without any issues. I doubt that it's going to be an issue. Right. The only time I've ever promoted a product with the um, Armani Talks brand, this was in 2018, where a lot of the big creators uh, were behind this one conference. It was called the Men's of Character Conference. Uh, I think Ed Lattimore was on it. Um, Ajak was on it, uh, me, Ryan Stevens, a, a lot of people, right? 
And this guy, um, I believe his name was Bill Maser. Yeah, Mesa. there we go. He had a bunch of the big accounts uh, create a talk, and that was about it. And we promoted the talk, and we were somewhat sponsoring that as well. We were putting our name behind that and vice versa. So if you're participating and you know the business model, that helps. Otherwise, I think it's much more strategic to own your own products and and promote that. Whatever happened to Bill Maser? I haven't seen heard from him in a while. Bill Maser, I have not talked to him in a while. He's a he's a cool dude. He had a, he had a great idea with that. Uh, posting uh, posting those important talks. So, what's the last um, great documentary you've watched, or what was it about? The current one I'm watching is about the River Nile. You know, the history of the River Nile, and there's a girl, there's a chick. And she's been sailing the entire river from the top to the bottom mm-hmm. and exploring all the Egyptian sites around it. But this app is actually really good. And the documentaries are pretty interesting. So I recommend people who are into history or something to get a subscription. It's actually super cheap. And some of the topics are pretty entertaining. And you learn a lot like about hurricanes and random shit. I mean, let's not promote them too much because they haven't paid us yet. Yeah. Reach out to them and let's see come if on, we can get a promotion. Come in with the check, a curiosity stream. <laughs> <laughs> For the full deal, you gotta pay us. <laughs> a million dollars or bust. No, yeah, a million or nothing. <laughs> but uh, this is a product we use, so we can promote them. Uh, talk to them. How much were they offering us? No, it was for me. Uh, it's not for unapologetic truths. Uh, the guy, the, one of the people reached out in my personal business account. Uh, I'll respond back. I'll say, I don't know. Good. I don't know if they'll promote unapologetic truths because we we're a little bit more R-rated on the show. What are you on about? We censor our speech so much. We were just calling all the people who are worried <laughs> just about cats. just cats, cats, cats. right? <laughs> Family friendly. <laughs> I'm surprised that we've only gotten one strike. We never got a strike. I think it was we got a what's the word for it? They restricted our video for adults only, but it wasn't a strike. Well, whatever that was, I'm surprised that was only one. And that's the thing with YouTube, man. Nowadays, a lot of popular creators are all complaining about the same thing, where it's too subjective. You have to be more clear about it. Where when we got a strike, I completely understand why. That's that's why I was a little hesitant to even pull up the video. Because in that video that we were reacting to, there was a guy literally punching another guy in the face. I can understand that. Uh, But some of the stuff, it's teetering the line. Is it free speech or what gives? Skillshare does stuff like this as well, where they're super strict with their content. And it's like, if you're going to be that strict and you're going to be giving strikes left and right, you better give examples. You better be clear with your language. There should be no subjectiveness in regards to it. You got to be clear. What do you think of Rumble? Rumble, I mean... Rumble needs to fix its uh, userability feature because I was actually watching a show on Rumble recently and then uh, I got a call. So I picked up the call and then I went back to watch the Rumble episode and they made me start all the way back over. So now I have to like go through and find the exact part that I was on. I'm like, you guys can't just save where I last watched it. Uh, this is something that YouTube is capable of doing. Come on, Rumble, step up your game. Uh, there's no, uh, the timestamps aren't in the actual time bar. It's in the description box. So you have to see exactly what you want to see. Then you go up and then you scroll like that. So they need to fix the user ability feature. And 
there's a lot of things that they need to fix. It's a promising idea, but it's not something that I'm running back to go use. Do you think we should mirror the UTA podcast on Rumble? We can, but I don't know if it's a big audience or anything. I mean, we can just to have it up there. You never know what what new people it could reach. Yeah, then we won't have to limit ourselves to cats. Mhm. I'm pretty sure you could say pussy without it getting banned. <laughs> <laughs> See, if this gets banned, we're going to blame it on Arman, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's the scary thing where it w- will not get banned for let's say a year or two, but let's say 4 years from now, the word pussy is not allowed. Then they could go back in the catalog and ban it. It would be like what happened to that guy, right? Um, the Crowder. king of Canada, king of Canada. I like to call him. I forget his name. Justin something. Justin. Where Trudeau? he? Yeah, that guy. Where he had like a picture of him doing the blackface, and apparently it was okay back when he was young, but now it's not okay to do blackface. So now he's getting shit for doing the blackface, but when he did it, apparently it was okay. So a lot of these social norms that are coming up now will be applied to. times when it was normal for those norms to not exist so today you know i can say something like bangladesh is a part of india and it's a normal thing to say it's a, it's a joke mm-hmm. maybe tomorrow this would be considered racist and then they would be like rai fatmani is racist do you know in 2023 he was saying this <laughs> hurting the feelings of the bangladeshi people oh yeah there's a lot of things like that i mean there's no examples that are coming at the top of my mind i mean the blackface thing that always seemed in poor taste to me but if you're talking about how old is justin trudeau uh, in his 40s or something in i don't know his he looks era, yeah in his era i mean i could see it being funny whatever you want to definitely be somewhat aware of diff- dealing with different races where it may be funny now but in the future people are going to be really pissed off about it one group that people i noticed can be racist towards and no one really sticks up for them as much white men uh, white men white men and chinese folks chinese folks i re- recall used to get bullied so much in my school uh, in terms of uh, just calling them names like you'll call them egg roll or ching chong chai and even the teachers at times are like <laughs> i'm like bro that <laughs> is uh, i'm like i i didn't think of it at the time but looking back there was this there were three Chinese kids in my class Calvin Calvin Lee, Sean Wang and Jin Hee Bian or and they used to get roasted so much and they were geniuses as well because they're coming straight from China here uh where that was seen as funny back then you say that now people still haven't caught up to that people are like ah oh, well whatever i mean it's just a harmless joke but in 5 years that could be that could get you canceled See, I'll tell you one thing. I think that you know how Muslims are kind of maligned for being terrorists. I, I mean, not all Muslims are terrorists, but because of 9/11 and all these terror attacks, mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. used to be racist towards Muslims for a long time, for a long time, and even nowadays. After COVID, I think that for a long time, people are going to be racist towards Chinese. and this is not the chinese people's fault right i don't think the average chinese person in india or in the usa or even in china you know agrees with their government creating or spreading the virus whatever happened but 
the way tribalism works is that people are going to blame the Chinese race for COVID. And then it, it takes some time to catch up. But then for a long time, that becomes the public image of those particular people. And they get bullied over it. In the sense that if you are a Muslim, I'm sure that you've noticed that some people kind of, you know, some terrorist attack happens and everybody starts getting suspicious. Even though you're just a random guy, you're living your life, you aren't doing anything. You're, mm-hmm. you're, like, you're literally just like them. You know, you go to your school, you come back home, oh, yeah. you study, but all the other kids are like, hey, terrorists. And if you're Chinese, same thing, you know, you're the one spreading COVID or something like that. And I think that it's going to get worse for Chinese people for some time and for some time until people forget about this whole COVID thing. Well, it's not even the forgetting thing. Eventually what happens is that a new story comes out and then something bigger even happens. Uh, like right before the Chinese uh, thing, the peak of hate was what you just mentioned, white folks. White folks were getting it a lot, especially because that was the new thing to bring up. There were the rise of Karens. You were seeing one Karen video after another. So now if you're going to, let's say, a restaurant, let's say that there's a white woman that's been waiting a good amount of time, an unreasonable amount of time for her food, and she uh, starts to say, hey, guys, come on, where's the food coming? A lot of people look at her like, wait a minute, is she one of those Karens? Right? So that's exactly what's happening with them, uh, even though it's reasonable because they shouldn't be waiting this long, that uh, prior to the Chinese folks in 2020, white folks were really getting it. Man, white folks are, I don't know what's up, but a lot of people are really, really, really racist against white people. I was just watching a video. There was a black guy who accused this white woman of stealing a bicycle. It happened very recently. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the, black, the white woman, she hadn't stolen the bicycle. She had paid for it. But the black guy is like, you're racist, you stole this bicycle, etc. And the woman gets fired anyway. And right. she's in the news. And the news are saying that she stole it. This is this, Despite her correcting and saying, that no, I paid for it. This is the receipt. The news people, they did not change the story. They just ran with it. And now this woman's life is ruined. And this only happened to her because she was white. So mm-hmm. white people are they're getting a lot of racial hate. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a sad thing, but this is what is happening. I will say one thing, though. You should not treat people badly because they look a certain way. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. In mm-hmm. India, there are several states like Sikkim, Assam, Arunachal Pradesh, where people, the natives of those states, they live on hills and mountains. So they have the oriental look, you know, the squinty eyes. And, you know, they look oriental. And what happens is that when they are in a city, let's say they're down in Delhi or Chennai or Bangalore or Mumbai or anywhere else, you know, sea level city, people in the plains, people who live near sea levels, they don't have the oriental look. And when they see other Indians who are from India, these are people who live in Indian states, they're 100% Indian, just like you are. They will act like these people are Chinese and they'll call them Chinese. Like, what the fuck? Like, this guy is Indian. He lives in a state of India. He lives, let's say he lives in Sikkim or Arunachal Pradesh or Assam. He's just come to this city to work, just like you have come to the city to work. And you're acting like this guy is a foreigner and you're calling him Ching or whatever else. Like, that's not the right thing to do, man. Like, 
come on, like, this guy is as Indian as you are, maybe even more. Mm-hmm. And just because he looks a certain way, you're mocking him. That's not right. I, I don't think so. I, I've talked to a lot of these types of people, you know, the people from these mountainous areas, because I spend a lot of time in the mountains. And they're extremely kind, welcoming people to the point where sometimes if I'm hungry, right, and they see me going by, it's evening, they'll call me to their house and feed me. They'll be like, hey, brother, come inside, we'll feed you. And, you know, I've eaten at their house. They don't even know who I am. I'm just a random stranger. When you're trekking? Really, yeah, was when I was trekking. Or, you know, when I'm staying in the area in someone's house and they see me, they come, they want to talk to me. They'll feed me in their house and give me tea. They're really, really kind people. People in the mountains are really kind. They're called Pahari people. And I was recently in the Garwali area. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that. The Dune mm-hmm. area. And, yeah, the people are really kind, but they get mistreated by sea level people and they get called Chinese and chink. And, I mean, it's, it's not the right thing to do by them. I mean, they are just as Indian. They're kind, normal Indian citizens. And you're maligning them just because they look similar to Chinese people. Hmm. Like that is such bullshit, but it's just how people are and you can't help it. Everyone gets it, man. I mean, it doesn't honestly matter where you're from. Uh, you don't want to judge too much because eventually your time is coming where eventually the, the tides are going to shift where the other stigmas aren't going away, but now there's a magnifying glass on your stigma and people are judging you and it's not going to feel that good. It really I do think on... that some people get it worse than others, though. Mm-hmm. In the sense that if you are a minority, you get it worse. If you are, say, a mountain person, you know, a Bahari person in a sea-level city, you look different from everybody around you, you're going to get it. If you're a white guy living in the middle of Africa, you're going to get it. You're going to get the stigma. If you're a black guy living in, you know, one black guy and a bunch of white people, you're going to be seen as an outsider. It's just how things are. But I do believe that when people act like people from Assam or Natural Pradesh, Sikkim, are not Indians and Chinese, that is such a bullshit thing to say. And it just pisses me off. Right. Especially because you have first-hand encounters with them consistently. Yeah, they're normal Indian citizens. What the hell are you talking about when you say they're Chinese? But you know that what other people sense. are like? If they haven't seen them, they have this image of their mind and they're just projecting that image. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. In fact, you must have noticed this yourself when you tra- travel to say... have You've been to Bangladesh, right? Mm-hmm. You must be treated more as a local than you do in the US. No. Uh, it's the exact opposite. I'm, I'm looked at as an alien. They're like, who the hell is this guy? Because I'm already taller than a lot of people in Bangladesh. And I have a certain style that is, well, I'm talking about 2009, the last time I visited. And when I walked in the airport, I saw a bunch of people just looking at me like, what the hell is that? Uh, here, it's, um, people aren't that big of a big deal in regards to it. But where you hear it the most from are national news where that is what spreads a lot of the stigma. If they keep bringing it up nonstop, then it's going to eventually be something. Like if you're, let's say, a teenage white guy, the stigma is, uh, this guy can do a school shooting out of nowhere. (laughs) If you are, uh, let's say, uh, a a Chinese guy, then, oh man, this guy must be really good at math. 
if you are you see there everyone has the stigmas so I mean, the stigma for being good at math is superior to the stigma <laughs> you know potentially doing a school but, shooting but imagine <laughs> if you are not good at math <laughs> now you are capable. wait a minute you're chinese you're supposed to be good at math <laughs> and black folks are seen to be good dancers so barack obama used to get roasted a lot because he couldn't dance at all and there was this show called uh, the ellen show have you heard of that show Yeah, it's where this um, you know boycott chick doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you enter the show, you're supposed to do a little dance, and Barack Obama did the corniest dance one time, and people were roasting him. They're like, "Wait a minute, he's black. He's supposed to know how to dance." So if you don't live <laughs> up to your stigma, then they judge you too. So even if the stigma is good, that doesn't mean it's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> But still, though, I mean, if I have to pick a stigma. I would rather be known for being a good dancer or being good at math right. than a potential school shooter. You know that is just fucked up. <laughs> Another, What is it for these school shootings, though? I don't know, man. I, I, get a little bit more specific with the question, and I, I may be able to answer that. I mean, you never heard of school shootings happening, say, fifty years ago. How come suddenly it's becoming a thing? It's becoming a thing, man, because these kids don't. These kids are weird. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. These guys are just strange. They're loners for the most part. If you study them, and something's wrong with their brains, where there there's this typical study where we have this thing that allows us to empathize with other human beings. That if you are about to pull the trigger, you see a little bit of yourself in another person. So if I let, let's say I'm pissed off at you one day, and I have a gun in front of you, harsh. And I'm trying to shoot it. Something physically is going to stop me from pulling the trigger. But when you are a serial killer in the making, if you study their brains, that same part that's capable of empathizing and seeing a little bit of yourself and others, it's void. And it could be due to a multitude of reasons. I mean, these guys have been fucked up for a long time. If you study them, they used to kill their cat. Uh, they used to kill their pets. Uh, the they used fuck? to. Yeah, if you study a lot of these serial killers, something in their childhood was wrong. Uh, they come from a broken home. The scary thing is when they come from a good home. So it's like, well, if they come from a good home, then what gives? It's people try to predict these serial killers, but it's difficult to predict. It's like you could try to say, well, th these are the signs of a potential serial killer to be. All you're doing is you're playing with numbers. Your metrics mean nothing because this is a field where black swans exist. a lot isn't that the sign of being a psychopath where the empathy part of your brain isn't working correctly mhm mm mhm mm interesting so I, how I, come it's happening now though how come it wasn't happening before it was happening before man but it was happening in a different context the whole um it, it was happening in a different context and when you're talking about now you got a Say which time? Like, are you talking 2020? Because there were a lot of school shootings in 2000s, uh, two decades ago. So it, no, it's been happening I mean, for a long time. 1920. 1920. I don't think school shootings was much of a thing. But then again, these type of schools that we have nowadays, it wasn't always the norm like that. I heard something about Rockefeller trying to create more industrial-aged mindsets for. school folks eventually translating beautifully into factories so this type of schools that we have nowadays where herds of people are in one building 
that's relatively new if you're factoring in history. So I think that may somewhat answer your question. Because first of all, we don't always have a large body of people in one group. And then as more time is going on by, we're getting more advanced with guns. And now you have the large body of people plus guns. Every now and then something bad could happen. Why is it not happening in other countries that have guns? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it is, but it's not getting any coverage. I doubt that a school shooting would not get coverage. Yeah, um, I don't have an answer to that yet. Something people should study and try to figure out the answer to, and that would solve the issue. Find out why it's happening instead of the strategy that they're taking where everyone's a potential school shooter or something. Figure out why it's suddenly popping up, why so many people are doing it, and try to solve the root cause of the issue because the people who are doing it, right, they're kids. They're like a 16-year-old kid doing it. And... Mm -hmm. A 16-year-old's life is not so long that you can't study it and figure out why this pattern exists, why these kids are doing it. And it's one thing to blame the 16-year-old and, you know, hang him or whatever. I get it. I think that a school shooter should be hanged. But to solve the issue, you need to figure out why they're doing it, what is motivating them, and figure out that issue. And I have some guesses. It could be like, these kids are getting severely bullied and this is their way of getting revenge. So try to figure out the problem of, you know, reducing bullying or stopping bullying or some kind of redressal mechanism. If someone gets bullied, then they can go to this person and that gets the issue solved or something like that. If the issue is something else, then figure it out and fix the problem because the people who are doing it and the people who are dying are all kids. And this is something that should not happen in a healthy society. Absolutely. Absolutely. Other things are rising too. I've heard suicide rates are rising 5% uh, around the world. Uh, I wonder why that is. I think a, a, lot of things it, rise. Mm -hmm. a lot of it has to do with people taking themselves too seriously. In the sense that, you know, nowadays what a, what a kid is told is that, you know, you can be what you want, you can do anything and things like that. But historically, that is not true. You don't become what you want to become. You become what you're forced to become for most people. Mm -hmm. There are many people who become what they want to become too. But the average peasant becomes what he can become, not he wants to become. Do you get right. what I'm saying? Yeah. People in the past were working the fields when they were 10 years old. And when I say people in the past, I mean 200 years ago, not a long time back. And nowadays, kids are essentially told you can become what you want to become. And there's a lot of pressure on kids. And if you are not doing so well, instead of getting support, you don't have a system to support these people. Back in the day, you had temples, churches. In your culture, you had mosques. And you know these guys can you know, go to these religious figures and get advice on how you can become, how, can, how you can live a better, more productive life. Now they get called incels and mocked left and right on the internet. Mm -hmm. And they're told to place their worth on things that don't matter, like your dick size or how many girls you've slept with. 
and things of that sort. And men are not supposed to be judged by things like that in the sense that pick any culture, okay? Any any successful culture, Islam, Hinduism, Christianity, any culture that has lasted the test of time has judged men on the basis of virtue and how hard they worked, how productive they were, whether they could plan for the future and things of that sort. And the people who were the most virtuous, the most productive, they would get women and they would make more money. What happens now is that if you are a virtuous and productive citizen, you get thought of as a nerd and loser and women consider you boring. So you have two parts. Either you become frustrated and you, you know, just consider yourself a loser too. You mm-hmm. become like one of these software engineers who make money, but they're chumps. They're not fit, weak, and they just like live a shitty life, even despite making a decent amount of money. Or you become a little evil. You're like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to be an asshole to all these women because these women respond to being an asshole. And okay, so this noise is, if you can hear it, there's some construction going around around my house and you just have to bear with me. Okay, what was I talking about? You're talking about turning the bad guy? Yeah, you, you become a bad guy in the sense you start caring less, you become more manipulative and you start trying to get what you want through nefarious means. And I don't mean illegal means. I mean like, let's say you want to get laid. Earlier, you would get married to get laid. Now you just turn up Bumble, you date five girls in a week and then you get laid. So we are at a point where being virtuous is no longer a winning strategy. And a lot of people are not able to handle it. They're not able to cope up with this more jungle-like, winner-takes-all environment. They're too stressed out from their work. And they don't have any support system. They don't have positive role models in their life. And I think that is what is contributing to an increase in suicides. Because if you notice something, you will find that the vast majority of suicides are men. I think about 85 or 80% of suicides are men. Mm-hmm. Because men have historically had to compete to survive. As a woman, you can just exist and then you know find the successful guys and sleep with them and marry them. As a man, you have to build yourself, become successful and become a somebody to succeed in the world, to breed and pass on your genes. And the men who are not able to cope up with this are the ones who are taking the step. I think what also happens is that, were you done? It sounded like you were about to say something else. I can give a small example to drive the point home. Go ahead. For example, let's say a guy who kills himself because his wife or girlfriend cheated on him. If he's a virtuous guy, and but but not very strong of will, he killed himself. But if he's an evil guy, he's like, fuck this shit. I'm going to sleep with his girl's sister. Then I'm going to sleep with his other, her other sister. I'm going to sleep with lots of women. And sooner or later, he forgets about this girl. And nothing happens to him. So in the modern world, not being virtuous and being a little immoral actually are really, really good strategies. And people who are naturally somewhat more virtuous and are good people. I mean, I hesitate to use the word good, but 
who are weaker people and they just they lack the support system and they can't they lack the 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 thing you need to be slightly evil they're the ones who are offering themselves mm i mean i don't know about the general aspect but from the people that i've known that committed suicide a lot of these folks what happens to them is that they put on a mask and what happens is that in the external world they look like this happy go lucky guy you'll see a lot of these uh, pretty shocking videos on tiktok or world star hip hop or youtube wherever where you see this person dancing having a good ass time and the caption is the next day she killed herself so what happens is that a lot of these folks are putting on this appearance in the external world but it's not matching the internal world uh, internally they are they are a muck and they don't know how to label things correctly and they just feel as though they're putting on some sort of act and after putting on an act for a certain time they're like all right man this is just a, a waste of time and when you're when you have a lot of clutter right what happens is that your perspective immediately shrinks and rather than thinking all right i'm going through a rut right now and eventually something brighter is going to happen where life goes up and down right up and down and behind every down there is an up this person man, i need to beat up this guy man this guy's making too much noise at the top go on is with this guy who's in this down right now he thinks that this is a permanent state rather than an impermanent state and this is where they make a lot of foolish judgments and they pull the trigger too quick and it happens it's not always just that it could be what you said as well like wife cheats on you and some you off yourself it's a very nuanced thing but i noticed it's when the outside appearance does not match your internal state that's when the likelihood of you of these guys offing themselves increases interesting i do think that stress levels also play a significant role in this mhm mm the the virtuous thing part i i think that's good but i think th that's also not fully a solution where if a girl is let's say rejecting you and you're like oh, i'm going to be the bad guy to get them you're further attaching your value to their opinions this is why i think what life math money covers in many ways is great because you're giving them tools to look forget all these other stuff for right now level up and then a lot of the social skills that sort of stuff gets learned but when you're let's say centering your life around pickup artistry a woman or something you're not going to find that real meaning so not being virtuous like it may work in certain periods but i've noticed from the long term the folks that have the big picture in mind they often turn to be very virtuous and you can't have uh, uh the big picture in mind if you're always just chasing the la latest trends and that's the thing with I, i wonder how much social media plays a role in that because in let's say 2005 to 2010 you had a clear path of what a boy should do from here to this age and a girl should do from here to this age introduce social media and nowadays everyone's a philosopher you go on your feed and people are telling you if you're doing this instead of this you're a loser if you're doing this instead of this you're a loser you're getting so much clutter and let's say you don't have a world view you're already a confused guy <laughs> i wonder how much the clutter is leading to a lot of these guys offing themselves i think with social media that's mm. maybe a factor but i think the bigger factor is that you know let's say that you live in a world without social media you have good moments in your life and you have bad moments in your life 
Mm-hmm. But the vast majority of your life are going to be you being busy or working or something like that. And you kind of assume everyone else is doing the same thing. But with social media, you go to someone's Instagram feed and it's like this person is traveling, partying, happy. And then you're like, you form the opinion that everybody out there is in some sort of big party where they're having fun continuously, traveling and visiting places. In the meantime, you're out here working and getting bored. Mm-hmm. So you end up seeing too many people partying and having fun. You compare it to your everyday life and then you feel depressed. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. And you see this and you, you got to realize that this is a filtered version of reality. Have you ever heard of the term called catfishing before? Where you post a harder picture of yourself than you actually look to mm-hmm. try to get dates. Yeah, girls Correct. do that. Right, right. So I actually wrote a very detailed newsletter about this recently, armanitalks.com slash newsletter. And I said that guys catfish due to uh, too much ignorance and girls catfish due to too much knowledge. A lot of guys will accidentally catfish themselves. They'll post pictures of a dog licking their face, their head chopped off, a blurry picture. And this this is when the online image does not match the offline image. This catfishing is born from too much ignorance. While with girls, they know too much. I knew this one girl, Harsh, that had an Instagram workflow. She would take 50 pictures, right? And from that 50 pictures, one would make the cut. <laughs> from that one, it, uh, the teeth whitening app was applied. The face uh, blemish removing app was applied. The waist trimming app was uh, applied. I'm pretty sure I'm missing 16 other apps. So the final cut that is posted online, she looks unrecognizable. I'm like, wow, like wh- wh- who is this person? Now, there's another person from the other side of the world that's looking at this person that's thinking, oh, my goodness, what a beauty, not knowing the workflow that was applied. So this is what you're typically seeing with social media. You're not seeing reality. You're seeing a distorted version of reality. But these folks don't know any better. They think that is reality. And that makes them start to compete with the wrong force. Man, what you're saying is so true. I know a whole bunch of women who run these big Instagram accounts. Mm-hmm. And I know a bunch of celebrities too, who are considered super hot in India, very popular, very well known. But when you see them in real life, that's a good looking girl. Mm-hmm. But I know girls who look better than her. Yeah. Like some of my old girlfriends have looked, I look look better than this girl. Even though this girl is supposed to be, you know, the, the queen of beauty in the country when she's on screen. Mm-hmm. Like without makeup, she works so much. She has dark circles under her eyes. This is like a good looking girl. She's fit. But she's by no means the queen of beauty. Right. But have when you you're on social media. Before? Once, but that was a girl using a five-year-old photo and mm. turns out she was much farther than except, ex- expected. <laughs> like, whoa, okay. Some people, when they get catfished, are very confrontational. They'll say, you don't look like this, and they'll record it and post it online. Some other people, they'll, they're more low-key about it. They'll say, well, whatever, I'm here. Let me just enjoy the date and then go about my day. What type are you like? Girl. 
She was a sweet girl. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to burn a girl for catfishing. I mean, I get it. You know, girls are insecure about being chubby. Everybody wants to use the best photos they have themselves, right? I'd be lying if I said that if I took three photos, I'm not going to use the one that looks the worst, right? I'm going to use the one that looks the best. So I'd be lying if I said that I take, you know, I use the worst photos of myself. Everybody, every person, you want to use the best photos of yourself. That's true, even for girls. But I mean, the, the time that it happened to me, it was like, this girl, she's supposed she's a singer. And she took a photo of her when she was 20 years old. And when I met her, she was 23 or 24. And she did not look anything like her picture. I mean, you could not look at that picture and be like, this is the same girl. Mm-hmm. She had gained that much weight. I mean, she was not obese, but... Her BMI must be like 25 or 26. She was chubby. Well, that what pisses me off about catfishing, where you have a point. Obviously, you want to present the best version of yourself online. But once you meet up for the actual date, it should be as close to online as possible. You shouldn't just say, okay, well, I'm going to show this online and show a different side offline. Where in that newsletter, I talked about, are people who catfish bad? And I said, I answered no. There's two reasons people catfish. One is due to pure ignorance. They really think that's how they look. Like that girl I told you about with the Instagram workflow. Once she was done, she's like, yeah, yeah, this is how I look. She is born from pure ignorance. Other folks are born from fear. They're like, look, I am in a rut in my life right now. I've been stressed. I get it. I lost 18 pounds. But by the time that the date happens, I'm going to be back at that weight. Okay. And a lot of them, they try to actually lose that weight. But rather than losing 18 pounds, they lose uh, 13 pounds. and They still look a little heavy. And sometimes catfishing has success stories. I know a guy that catfished himself into a marriage. He, he was really fat. Uh, he was supposed to meet up with his potential wife in six months. He's supposed to go from Florida to Philly to meet her. So in six months, he didn't just sit on his ass and say, okay, well, I got the date. He went on a diet. He lost a lot of weight. And at that six-month mark, boom, he looked uh, he looked very close to that online version. Now, would he have gotten the date if he posted his fat pictures uh, on the dating app? No. He, he catfished in order to get the date, but the offline matched the online on the date. That's where people forget. They're like, okay, let me just show up. Let me just wear a big jacket, and hopefully he or she doesn't notice. It's like, bro. Put in the work and actually look like your pictures. Have you heard this phrase, fake it till you become it? Mm-hmm. I think you told me that. Fake it till you make it. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's a good thing to do, but fake it till you become it definitely works. Where you act slightly better than you are, but then you work hard to actually become that person. Mm-hmm. For example, early in my consulting career, if you came to me with a problem I did not know how to solve, I would tell you that, yeah, we, we can help you with this. Then you would tell me the issue, you would go away, and I would open the books and I would figure out how to solve your issue. And then, you know, we would solve it for you. You catfish them service edition. It's not exactly catfishing, but <laughs> it's more like, manager. see, if you are someone who is just starting out in a career or a business, mm-hmm. and you say to a client, I have no idea how to do this. And you're like a 20-year-old. 
the client is not going to pay you he's going to be like okay i'm going to hire someone more experienced and that creates a catch 22 situation where you can't get clients because you lack experience and you can't get experience because no one wants to hire you and the only way to solve this is to break the circle be like okay i can help you let me get back to you tomorrow please pay now then the client goes away you collect all the details of the problem you educate yourself and you learn how to fix his issue and then you do it you do this two three times and now suddenly you have become the person that you were claiming to be now you actually know how to fix the issue you've done it thrice four times five times mm-hmm. the same thing with girls you know some guys are like i can't do this i'm inexperienced i'm a virgin i can't go out with a girl and i'm telling them don't tell the girl you're a virgin that's a dumb thing to do like why would you say that just act like you know what you're doing and let it go normally and once you go out with a girl let's say you go out on three four dates then you know how to behave on a date now you've done it a couple of times now it's no longer new so i think that faking it till you become it is a very good strategy it works incredibly well and i would recommend it what a lot of people do is they fake it till they make it but they keep faking it in the sense that let's say that you're faking something let's say that you are like anything you know pick like i'm the master seducer I'm, you know you're telling women that dumb thing to say that to say that to a woman but let's say that for hypothetically you're acting like you're the master seducer but you're not doing anything to actually become the master seducer you're not going out to meet girls you're not getting dates you're sitting in your home and year after year you're just claiming it mm-hmm. and that doesn't work because you haven't become the person you were claiming to be you've just you're, you're still a faker So fake it till you become it is a really good strategy but fake it till you make it I don't know I think you should you need to put in the work Mhm but the way the world is structured you do need to fake it to break in otherwise you just never get the opportunity clients will not hire you if you act like you've never you have no idea what you're doing right because no one wants to be someone's first Yeah you you won't go to a doctor and the doctor is like you're my first patient Like, bye doctor <laughs> we'll talk some other time <laughs> ready <laughs> uh, that's so true uh, because that was uh, the first we used to call it the first job uh, paradox where to get your first job you need experience but how are you going to get experience if this is your first job nowadays these experience requirements are going crazy you need to have 20 years of experience to be an 18 year old cashier the heck <laughs> i saw a sign that said that it's crazy it's a typo obviously uh-huh but i was so funny <laughs> you have to figure it out though ultimately if you delivered the goods i don't think anyone really cares about whether you lied or not you could even make the break the news later on like oh, you know what well, obviously i'm not saying you should but hypothetically if you do Let's say you lied in order to get the job. 3 years goes on by, you've sealed your promotions and everything, and then you say, "Hey, you know, I, I lied about uh, the the resume, right?" This person is going to laugh at you because what they really want is to know that you can do it. The problem is when you say that you can do it and you deliver a sloppy product, that's going to hurt you. And word spreads. 
have you ever lied on your resume arman nah man i i mean my resume was pretty on point because uh my resume was pretty on point i, I didn't lie i did tell you about the situation where i found myself in the wrong situation uh, before with the resume so i had a great electrical engineering resume i applied for a coding job and this coder wanted me to actually write a script in front of him i'm like come on bro and it, it was a embarrassing situation <laughs> so he looked at the resume like you know, is the rest of it true i'm like everything is true bro but it's an electrical engineers resume not a coders but you said in the job description that electrical engineers can apply so that's why i'm here <laughs> <laughs> some dudes in job interviews try to pull a fast one i knew this one piece of shit his name was brolio and he uh, came in late to uh, one of my interviews i was getting interviewed by this guy named john i was going to basically be shadowing him and brolio just came just to sort of flex himself and he was asking me these hard questions and john was looking at me like he it's just him so a lot of the times when you're doing a job interview some people will come with the intention of embarrassing you which is something that i noticed this was at least in 2009 i don't know if this is still a thing but certain small companies operate like fraternities and they want to haze you to see if you're mentally strong the easy thing is to snap and be like please don't speak to me like that sir but the smart thing to do is suck it up and understand that they're trying to test you to see if you're mentally tough man you haven't had, you haven't had that many job interviews have you i've only had one job interview one or mm. two i think and that was a long time ago when i was 18 years old some job interviews are chill where you know you're going to get the job they know you're going you're going to get the job so you guys are just chilling but certain ones are high pressure so my first job or it's called article ship was at one of these big four firms and i got interviewed thrice and they made me take that computerized test twice i mean i i went there thrice and two of those times was to give this computer test and what happened was at the first computer test you know where they try to test how smart you are mm-hmm. my scores were so high that they thought that i cheated on the test so they bought me again to test and this time they had a guy watch me and my test scores were again really good because i didn't cheat on the test and then you know the guy comes in he interviews me and while i'm leaving there's another candidate and i'm an 18 year old so this is my first time being in a corporate environment i'm talking to him and i'm asking him have you applied anywhere else and he asked me the same thing and i said i've applied everywhere and the hr lady she hears that so she calls this boss guy again you know the, the senior guy and he tells me that you're going to get a call tomorrow in the sense that <laughs> <laughs> like he heard me say that i kind of have applied to more places so i get the a call the very next day in the morning and that's the only job interview i've given <laughs> you you showed that you were more sought after well no i think that my to later on they told me why i got hired quickly and they showed me my test scores apparently they were really good and people don't score that high in that test like it, it they, i don't really know why because the test questions are actually pretty simple you know you go north this much you go south this much where do you end up and simple questions about trigonometry and things like that you know figure out if you know if a horse is running in a circle for 
20 minutes and this is the radius of the circle how much south he has come and things like that and people apparently are not Tesla able to those. they're fun what do you want about simple things no i'm pretty sure there's a large group of people that aren't good at that because they don't like tests like that they're smart but in that regard or the radius and all that bullshit they're like man i'm not trying to do that and they end up looking foolish in those tests and then these people uh, the employers are saying oh this is not a good candidate because he didn't do well on the test a lot of people do that where they're great candidates they're just not good test takers i don't know i think the test was pretty simple stuff you know like for you you would no the test do, taker you get like nine part you get like nine squares and they have like patterns in them so the square one has a pattern square two has a pattern square three has a pattern and one of those squares is missing and you're supposed to figure out what would go in that square so you're supposed to recognize the pattern and then go you know put the pattern in it was things like that about. they they ease you and they're saying all the questions are going to be like this but it gets harder for you it probably didn't but for a large group of people bro they hate tests like that i hate tests like that oh you do not like it i hate it dude i hate it um you like it i like doing those tests yeah mm. it's like a nice stimulation to the brain you are a weird man no, i'm just messing with you. <laughs> you you're lucky i'm not a californian because apparently you get beat up in california <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah i called you a weirdo <laughs> you remember that um did you ever take the sat i did not i think it's an american thing to do okay so you didn't have to take that did you have to take gre or do people have to take that there no no nothing nothing man for the sat you get a certain amount of points just to put your name on it right it, it's out of uh, 2400 um so you could get a 800 max on reading math and writing which e- equals to 2400 i knew this kid named asif dude he did so bad i mean it was embarrassing i, I think it's the world record for the lowest sat score and we were calculating it we're like wait a minute asif Did you even write your name correctly <laughs> cuz you can't get it this low if you spelled your name correctly man so i think he even misspelled his name i mean that was an embarrassing uh, embarrassing but it's situation. a bad test because why are they giving you points for writing your name it's just a it's i don't know i actually don't know the first time i took the sat man i got something weird happened the guy next to me kept doing he had a leaky nose and he kept doing it and as i was trying to read it kept breaking my concentration and you're not supposed to uh, you're not supposed to fill out a bubble if you don't know the answer if you don't know the answer just leave it blank and it's not going to take away any points you see mm-hmm. and so a lot of them i just kept le- leaving them blank i'm thinking okay i'll come back to it later and the <laughs> kept adding up and eventually man time was out i did so bad my first time my parents were so disappointed and i was like hey guys there was this guy he kept doing his nose and they were like what nose what are you saying so this time uh, you get to take it up to 3 times so the second time i took it i was studying and my brother was studying too i said hey i pretend like you have a leaky nose <laughs> so i was i was practicing in that environment <laughs> you never know oh, man, man. There that was a story. So funny. There was a story of a guy that uh, came to the SATs and he took shrooms. He did some drugs beforehand, 
And while all the kids are taking the SATs, he literally pulls out his dick and starts masturbating. The instructor sees that. She's like, oh, my God, you, Ryan, get out of here. But imagine if you just saw this guy masturbating right next to you. How the hell do you focus again? <laughs> You're trying to explain to your college, hey, uh, Jimmy, it's, it looks like you got pretty low on the SAT score. So why was this? Look, professor, there was a guy that was masturbating next to me in the SATs. You got to believe me. <laughs> oh, man, that is completely crazy. The craziest are, shit happens when people are on drugs. These tests are bullshit, bro, because it does not it does not mean anything. A lot of these guys that score high on tests are good test takers, but they're not hard workers. Where I knew guys that didn't study for the SAT at all, and they got a 2200. That's amazing. It's like, how the hell do you get that high score? And you would think that these are smart folks just by looking at their exams. You hire them, and these guys know how to talk, but they don't know how to work. They're great test takers, but not great doers. You know, one thing I've noticed is that you should hire people based on what they can accomplish or what they have accomplished. In the sense, if you're hiring a software person, you're better off hiring someone who has a series of projects that they can show you as opposed to a fresh graduate from a university. Because when people go to university, they start expecting really high salaries, but they don't really know how to do things. And a lot of them lack the work ethic. They lack the ability to learn things by themselves. And when I say universities, I don't mean like MIT. I mean some random ass university in India or somewhere. And these guys are not very skilled. They don't really know what they're talking about. But because they have a degree, they think they're the shit. And you ask them to do a simple task, they're not able to research themselves and do it in a lot of cases. So what I've noticed is that it's best to hire people after they have some kind of portfolio. Be like, can you build this? We'll pay you to build it if you build it. And if you're able to build it properly, then we can consider hiring you. Do you give them a job interview? Because I know you hire a good amount of people. I do. I do let them interview. Mm -hmm. But lately I've been doing this where we, we haven't been hiring ever since the economy has been, you know, trash. But lately we have asked, we're asking people to be like, build anything you like. And if we end up hiring you, we'll pay for the time that it took for you to build that. Okay. And for things like accent, and we don't care about it that much. But it does matter in the sense that if you if we if you need someone for a sales role, then you know a Western accent is better than my accent right now. And in Indian accent, it kind of triggers the cheapness out of people. They're like Indian accent. You're supposed to be cheap. Why are you asking for that much money? That's the stigma here. Indians are cheap. Indians are cheap. You know, you're supposed to be cheap. Mm -hmm. So. Let's hire someone with a Western accent. Pretend like we're a foreign company. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're big enough to hire the white people now. <laughs> right. Is your but, go on? Mm -hmm. Is your interviewing process strict? I mean, there, are there tears to it, or do you no, sometimes no, no. even go with the feel? So my businesses are not Google level big, right? They're, pretty small by their standards. It's like me interviewing them or one of us interviewing them. 
And we're not hiring that many technical people. So this new startup we have, we already have the team from our previous startup. So we don't need to hire anybody. But typically it's someone I know and he gave me a reference. This guy is really intelligent. You can try him. Or someone I know who's very good, but for whatever reason is out of a job. People like that. I I, I, I learned this from a couple of my friends in the sense that you should hire people who are extremely competent and people you can trust. For example, a friend of mine has a company which produces audiobooks. They have a team of narrators. And what they do is that for any book, they can get the audiobook produced for you. You pay them per finished hour, you know, 80 or $100 or $120, $200 per finished hour. Mm-hmm. Depending on how complex your audiobook is, how many voices you need, whether you need two narrators, sometimes you have an audiobook where there's a female character and a male character, and you need, you know, female and a male voice, etc. Depending on what type of needs you have, they charge you. And for an audiobook, he's like, I hired a guy who was in jail because he fit the voice for the book. So we worked with the jail authorities. We got this guy this gig. He's a, he, I used to know this guy, this guy, the guy who runs this company, he used to know this guy from beforehand. And it's a black guy who went to jail for, I don't know, something. I think it was for selling weed or I don't really know. But he has a really deep voice. Black people, they have very good genetics for voice. They are much deeper as opposed to Indians who we, we are much higher in voice. It sounds less masculine. So black people are blessed in that department. So he hires this guy and he's like, I could have hired anybody, but I want the best person for the project. And the best person for this project was this guy in jail. So we got this guy in jail to do it. Right. That's actually pretty interesting. Like finding the best person for the job, the guy who is the most competent, even if he's an asshole, like, you know, this guy's a criminal. But he got tired because he's the best person for the job. Exactly. I mean, I'm surprised he found a criminal. Well, it, it seemed as though they knew each other before. They knew other each other times, beforehand. Other times, it could be a high school student where the high school student lives, breathes, and eats Photoshop. So he is a brilliant graphic designer uh, versus the person who already has the graphic uh, graphical skills background. They have a bachelor's or a master's in it. But this high school kid, he could get it done quicker he doesn't come with attitude when you ask for a revision and he charges cheap. So it's like, wait a minute, this guy is better than what seems like the more qualified person. So I like your idea of factoring in the portfolio first. See, at the end of the day, right? The, your customers do not care that you are a diverse team. They do not care that you like Ukraine or LGBT or not. They care that your product is good or not. They are not paying for you to support diversity or LGBT or Ukraine or whatever. Hire the most competent person, whether he's male, female, transgender. I don't give a shit who you are. If you're the best person for the job, we'll get you. This is why having your own website helps as well, because that becomes your portfolio. I know this girl that worked in a lot of these mainstream media organizations. Uh, Don't make fun of her harsh, but she worked in CNN. Uh, She switched to MSNBC and she got pretty senior positions. And I recall she she's at that point where she could hire folks now. And she and I talked one time. We, We were childhood friends. She said, 
what you're doing with Armani Talks is exactly what a lot of media organizations look for. You have a blog, you have a podcast, you have a YouTube channel where you pretty much create content. And we could see that you're consistent with it. So whenever we're hiring folks, we're more biased towards that. Does this guy have his own site that he's consistently producing for over the folks that have a master's in communications? Because that's your that's your catalog. You should get hard at CNN, Arman. Totally <laughs> <chosen>. <laughs> I'm a mole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should totally get hard by CNN. Bleed the beast. <laughs> I would never work for a mainstream media organization, especially a news organization. Hire a body double. Be like Arman now works at CNN, but it's a body double doing it. Like outsource it. It must be so cool to have a twin. Oh yeah, that's a good question. It's a good idea. Do you or know maybe any some twins? kind of yeah. I know kids who are twins. I don't know adult twins. I mean, I know twins who are adults, but they aren't lookalikes. Hmm. But I know these two kids who are like four, three or four years old, very very small, and their names are also very cute. It's cream and sugar or honey and sugar or something like that. Really? And they look exactly the same. I knew two twins, Cat and Melissa. Uh, in middle school and one became a a lesbian the other one was straight so which one did you like more they did not look good in my opinion they were chubby redhead girls with big glasses and i'm thinking do people and they look, identical. Get branded. <laughs> they look <laughs> identical where certain times you'll look at twins and you'll say oh well this is cat this is melissa they look the same so I thought, man, okay, so if one came out, I mean, how do people that want to flirt with her know which one it is? Take a chance at the roulette wheel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you get rejected, say it's the lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You said Imagine you to... being drunk mm-hmm. around a twin. I saw a story. I- I'm not sure if it's true, but someone mm-hmm. sent it to me on Twitter. A guy got a divorce because he slept with his wife's twin because he was drunk. He did not know it was his wife's twin. And the wife's mm. twin did not object. She, she just went with it. She went with it. Okay. I'm not sure if it's true or not. Some guys see pranks. Twitter. I see pranks a lot on that. I didn't know that this was a real thing. It's so hard to believe stuff on the internet now, man. Where, you know, a lot of these prank channels uh, out there. There was this one prank that I saw that I thought was very entertaining, and I saw it on World Star Hip Hop. So I find the creator, I go on his platform, and I kid you not, he's recording this prank, and there's a green screen behind him. So this is a studio that he rented out specifically to record this coordinated prank. I'm like, wait a minute, man. I thought this shit was real. You're actually hiring actors to make this prank? So I... uh, it just ruined the mystique of it. It's not organic. He has a green screen. He put in a fake background. You see what I'm saying? Man, looking at the nature of these pranks, it's probably the better off it's from a green screen. Because if someone was to like come up to me, smack my girlfriend's ass, kick my drink out of my hands, that guy is going to the hospital. Right, right. As a person having a prank done on you, that's not the best feeling. But as a consumer, man, I mean, it's, it's a little funny. <laughs> That's why the prank community died out a lot because there are groups of people that do real pranks, you see, but they were getting upstaged by the people who do the fake pranks. And that's when the community sort of ate itself. See, I think a prank 
especially the one you're filming and making money out of it can't be something that damages people hurts their property or insults their dignity in some way you're a right a prank right. is something funny you know something that's entertaining you know let's say that you came up to someone and screamed in the ear i get that that's funny but you came up to someone pulled his chair and the guy falls in the ground that's bullshit and sometimes these prankers get mad at the people for being offended chill out bro it's just a prank i'm like dude get out of that guy's face he's not liking it uh, chill out bro what... i just broke your neck chill out bro it's just a this broken is... neck this is why limitless exp he was the best youtube pranker because he had the smoothness to him where even if uh, it was getting awkward he had charm where you as a pranker you need to have charm otherwise people will just get angry quicker uh, but a lot of these pranks nowadays are getting out of hand so i i can't see the reason for green screen it takes a mystique out of it uh, as a consumer either charm or really fast legs or really fast <laughs> life math money should start a prank channel <laughs> you said you didn't no. run right this is your I opportunity don't run. to I don't run. run my opportunity to learn how to run fast yeah. <laughs> what about you have you ever gotten pranked i've gotten pranked a good amount of times man but it was the silly pranks where someone is standing behind a wall and they'll be like oh they'll scare you i'm like oh shit the getting pranked for a youtube channel that's never happened to me i wouldn't care i mean i'd be a good sport but make sure there's respect involved too don't be doing something silly with it or sometimes it will be it'll be silly to a point where even after the prank is done the lingering effects are there or let's say you prank um a, a couple right and let's say you you're a monster and you're running after a couple and the guy he runs away and he just leaves his girl there or he uses his girl as a shield. Even after the prank is done, the girl's going to look at the guy in a different way. She's going to say, when harm is on the way, that's how you behave. And then the guy could say, well, just a prank, hon. But no, you didn't know it was a prank when it happened. And there's lingering effects. I know what you're talking about. I've seen those prank videos on YouTube. <laughs> and it's like, I doubt the girl is ever going to look at him the same. Because a girl, she desires you to protect her. Mhm. I not you be like, "Hey, take this girl. I'm out of here. Bye." Right. And the thing is you can't tell was that real or was that fake? What gives? And nowadays the prank channel, man, it honestly doesn't have the same mystique as 2013. 2013ish, there were two guys who were killing it, FusiTube and Vitaly, but then eventually they even became fake fake uh, pranksters as well. I remember these guys. Mhm. Mm I remember these guys. These They went the, crazy. One of them is Russian, right? Mhm. Mm he actually lives by me uh in West Palm. He lives around that area. Some doxing his location, man. What is wrong with you? He doxes himself. That's how I discovered uh, oh, dang, that's right by me. That's where he did oh, the okay. famous uh um do you even lift pr uh, bro prank. These guys go crazy though. They honestly go crazy. Um and they say it. They say, here is why I went crazy. They'll make a video about it. Being a prankster See, is a volatile YouTube career. It used to be much more profitable than it is now, though. Apparently, back in the day, you could make a ton of money with YouTube ads. Mm -hmm. But now, after YouTube changed the algorithm and their monetization policy, 
most of these prankster, pranksters went from making like $200,000 a month to making like 2000 bucks a month. And it just wasn't profitable. One of the channels that's still uh, alive and it's good. It's wholesome content is that was epic where uh, his last one was complaining about my food, then tipping 1000%. It's like, okay, man, that's a nice, wholesome content. And I, I'm pretty sure his pranks are real. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made it this long. I don't know, man. I think that you should watch something more useful with your time on the net. Get man, when, you're, when, when you're just trying to chill, bro, you can't always be... You never have that one no, moment I'm, where you want to turn your brain off. That's what I'm telling you. These, these documentaries are actually really entertaining. They aren't boring awesome. at all. But Especially they're long, the, though, right? Yes. They're long. Like this one I'm watching on the Nile is like four series, one hour long each. But what I mean to say is that if you watch historical documentaries, you'll mm -hmm. find that history is very interesting and more interesting than fiction. Like they have the craziest shit in history. You wouldn't even believe that, you know, this is real and not fiction. I believe you. Absolutely. Especially when you immerse yourself in history, you're going to think, wait a minute. But what I meant was at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how entertaining something is. If it's an hour long, I'm like, bro, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to invest in this right now. I would no, much rather like, all. yeah, I like would curiosity. much rather it remembers what party watched. I would much rather prefer these little seven sec minute entertainments real quick. But when I watch Curiosity Stream, I watch it when I have a lot of focus because I want to watch this. I know it's entertaining, but I know I'm going to learn as well. But then there's the junk food stuff where. I don't have to think at all, and I don't have to spend time. You, you're right there. You, you could pause it and come back. That's what I do. I don't like watch the entire hour. It takes me like three days to watch the hour. But I do believe that it's a better use of your time than watching these prank videos. I get where you're coming from. You know, you worked hard your entire day. You want to cool off. Mm -hmm. So you watch these prank videos. I understand your perspective. Prank videos or um, some cooking videos, man. Have you ever watched those cooking clips not particularly i've been cutting so i've been avoiding anything to do with <laughs> different people have these different things that are therapeutic for them where there's a niche of people that love to watch um someone get their lawn mowed so there's some lawn mowing companies that are hiring influencers that will go to different people's houses that haven't cut their lawn in a long time and say hey ma'am I will cut your lawn for free. Just let me record it so my YouTube audience can watch it. And these guys make a lot in ad revenue. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I've seen that type of video, you know, where it's some menial task happening mm -hmm. and it just absorbs you for some reason. Mm -hmm. Or when someone's painting something and you're just seeing layer by layer being formed. Or, you know, a driving video. Hmm driving video you know where someone is driving around town or in nature or something i know people like to watch that also i know that or, for a fact mm -hmm. because i put those types of videos in my podcast and people are like wait a minute sometimes i watch your podcast without the sound on sometimes Why? bro i was on your youtube channel recently i was watching one of the videos i was just like this the entire time I'm like this is peaceful man because <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, for those of you who don't watch Life Math Money's YouTube channel, he's walking in some place and it looks nice. What is it, a GoPro or are you holding an actual camera? It's a GoPro, yes. I have a head mount, a chest mount, and the hand thing. So That's typically smart. when I'm traveling and trekking, I'll get some footage out and use them for the YouTube videos. 
Give me a follow. I'm Life Math Money on YouTube. Check it out. The videos are actually pretty much, pretty much me speaking with me exploring India or some other location. Aren't you scared of doxing yourself? Uh, India is too big. Hmm. You know, we're 1.6 billion people. I think 1.4. One in six people in the world is an Indian. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So with India, uh, how often do you go in the farm areas? Do you still do that? I go a lot to rural areas because I trek a lot. Mm-hmm. I end up in a lot of rural places around farmlands, villagers, forests, mountains, at least once a month, sometimes more. It unwinds you. I enjoy doing it in the sense that you know, some people are fit for the sake of being fit, mm-hmm. where they invest a lot of time in the gym, but that's all they do. They don't actually do anything with their fitness. I'm fit because I want to do it. And it allows me to do things that other people cannot. Like recently, I just I just got back from the lower Himalayas. I climbed three mountains. And you could not have done that if you're not fit. Like You can't do that. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to have a backpack. It's cold. You have to climb up. And it needs a certain level of fitness. And I really enjoy doing it. I like the accomplishment and the whole spending time in nature, eating the pure food, meeting the locals. It's not just about the unwinding, but also the fact that you you live in nature that way. You actually experience life as humans evolve to experience it. Right. And you said you normally stay with the locals, right? I try to do that. A lot of times I stay with the locals. Sometimes I do not when I don't think it's safe. Or if I'm carrying something valuable, I'm like, wait a minute. I I can't can't be leaving this bag around at some local's house Mm -hmm. or something like that. that. In those situations, I do not. But I try to stay with the locals, yes. Do they ask you about your life? Uh, outside of that rural area? Actually, they do not need to ask me. Everybody in these local areas nowadays, they have computers and phones and internet, Mm -hmm. running water and things like that. They are very well aware of what's happening in the world. Most of them know how to speak English, the younger generation. They play, the kids play PUBG and, you know, they are modern. Mm -hmm. It's just that the area is rural. (laughs) So these kids are very well aware of city life. And just like how, you know, when we have, we have stereotypes about rural lives, right? Mm-hmm. They have stereotypes about the city. They're like cities are unclean. The air is bad. The water is bad. Everyone's out there eating pizzas and food, you know, bad food. And they have their stereotypes about the city. I don't break them. Like, yeah, that is true. I just like, okay, man, this is what mm-hmm. you're saying is true to a large extent. But yeah, they will ask me sometimes about my lifestyle. Usually they're shocked by the fact that I'm a 27-year-old and I'm living out here and I have my own car or something sometimes or I have a hired car and they're shocked by the fact that the money isn't running out. So they'll typically ask me, what do you do? And can you teach me how to do this? And things like that. So they're mm-hmm. shocked that you know I'm not poor. And you normally tell other people that you do affiliate marketing? Affiliate marketing, we also have a law firm, so pretty standard answer. 
But what do you say to the uncles and aunties when they ask? Online business, they don't ask me that many questions. They don't really get it, even if I try to explain it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have a lot of other businesses than just LMM. So I right. don't need to like lie. Just tell them, you know, I do this. No, it's not even a lying thing where you could be telling the truth, but you, you, you know how you just said that the kids, when you tell them you're from the city, there's certain stigmas that get activated. Well, likewise, let's say you're an entrepreneur and you want to keep it general, just so you keep the flow of the conversation going. They ask, what do you do? And if you say entrepreneur, automatically the stigma is this guy's a starving artist. So you have to be precise with that. <laughs> At least no, with what happens to me is the opposite. In the sense that for some time, apparently, some of my family, they weren't pretty sure what I did. Mm -hmm. And they assumed that what I was doing must be illegal because they're like, this guy lives in a huge house. He has a very expensive car. And, you know, he's visiting all these places which are expensive. And he's 27. In the sense that the guy is spending more money than I'm making. And I'm like 60 or 45 or something. So they're like, are you sure what you're doing is the right thing? I'm like, I'm telling them it's an online business. Mm -hmm. I do this, 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 and they just don't get it. But yeah, that I have the opposite issue. I have to downplay it. Well, you have to downplay it because you're at that stage where you're pretty successful. But if you're one of these guys that, let's say you're in a charge of a startup, you're not that profitable, you're putting a lot of hours in, then you need to be even more strategic with the word usage, especially if you're looking to get married and you're talking to their parents. If you just say, I'm an entrepreneur or I'm a startup of a, uh, I have a software startup company, they're going to worry for their daughter. They're going to be like, oh my goodness, who is this guy? Uh, but if you're successful, then it's a different game. Uh, it's a different uh, game. You have to lie down. You have to pretend that you're making less money because what happens is that all of these families, the girls, father, they're cunning in the sense that if they realize you're making a lot of money, mm -hmm. they will like roll out the red carpet, pretend like they're the nicest people around. And they will really try to get you. So to get to the truth, you have to act like you make a normal, slightly more than normal amount of money. Right. Because if they think that you're like a catch, then they will no longer behave honestly. Mm -hmm. They'll be a pick me. Yeah, they'll be like a pick me. I mean, I'm not, I have nothing against pick me's, you know, I mean, this is, it's just in how the incentives are structured. Mm -hmm. But I have noticed that, you know, if a girl guesses how much you make, she will really, really try sucking up to you. Is that right? Is, has that been happening to you? Do you have a, a fake uh, income that you say to others? I do not. I just don't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure others ask and others most likely ask your parents. Yeah. Um, so... Typically, we lie down a lot, but... You know how a lot of people lie about their body counts? <laughs> if they're super <laughs> promiscuous, they're like, they'll divide by three. Harsh has, a, <laughs> Harsh has a similar metric. He divides by three to his income. Girls always divide by three or some or higher numbers. Girls tend to do that. They're like... Girls divide by up. three, guys times by three. Hookups don't count. Like, uh, <laughs> this doesn't count. That doesn't... <laughs> Everything counts. What are you on about? This was in Cancun. That doesn't count either. <laughs> yeah, so no, the guys three rule is actually three, pretty true. Guys times by three, girls divide by three, and Harsh divides by three on his gross profits. 
Hey, you do the same thing. Don't don't tell me you're not doing the same thing. Hey man, that's why I I know your strategy so well. <laughs> no, no, but, but people actually should be aware of that because a lot of people will try to only marry you for your money. They don't like you. They know how to play the chameleon. Uh, so you need to be wary of flexing too much on social media and telling people how much money you have. You're going to attract a lot of people that way, but the people you're attracting isn't always the best people. That is very true. You know, if you if you act like you're a pot of gold, you'll get a bunch of people trying to rob it. Mm-hmm. So you have to be smart. And to be fairly honest with you, it's nobody's business how much you're making. Mm-hmm. That's true. And it just attracts all sorts of negative attention. People trying to borrow money from you. You know, can you give us a donation? Can you build this here? You do it. <laughs> and people subconsciously look at you a little different. Uh, there was this one guy that was one time doing my book cover, and he was. Uh, I needed it soon. Okay, I needed it quickly, and we were negotiating. I said, "Can you get it done today? I'll pay you five times the amount." Okay, and his eyes lit up. He said, five times the amount? Okay, I'll, I'll get it done today." And eventually got it done today. Then a week goes on by. I hit him up with the new book cover in the standard price, and now he's showing so much, uh, somewhat of an attitude. He's like, um, "That's only how much the book cover was worth. What about the last one?" And I said, "With the last one, there was a deadline. For this one, you have a month to do it." And he starts to look at me different. It's as though his mind got expanded, and there's no way it's going back to its old, <laughs> old way. So he knows how much I make, but it's it's not a good thing. It's an annoying thing. See, there used to be a beggar, mm. and sometimes I would give this beggar ten rupees. And one time I didn't have ten rupees; I only had like a two rupee coin. I gave the beggar two bucks, and the beggar seriously looks at me and says, "What can I buy in two bucks? Stop, stop being cheap!" I'm like you said fuck? that, you like, taking that two bucks back. <laughs> I mean, it's two rupees, so it actually doesn't buy anything. But it's, I mean, it's I didn't principle. have change. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute, you're getting it for free. What are you on about? Like, you did not earn this. I gave it to you out of the generosity of my heart. And after people get used to a certain, what's the word for it? Higher level of treatment, normal treatment to them feels like discrimination. That's true. That's a good way to put it. I'm just quoting Thomas Sowell, by the way. Because their mind did get expanded. And anything below that seems like a downgrade, like a demotion. See, it's like this, okay? Have you heard the saying that men don't go back physically and women don't go back emotionally? Mm-mm. Let's say that you're dating a girl and you slept with her. Mm-hmm. And then you break up and then you start dating her again. You won't be like, oh, wait, now it's going to take me some while to sleep with her. You'll be like, I'm not going to go back on that. I mean, you've done it before. We can do it now. Oh, okay. You're not going to be like, I'm going to wait two months. And if the girl is like, let's wait. And you you will say like, no, that's not going to fly. Mm-hmm. And for the girl, for women, it's emotional. It's like, if a girl says, you know, we or let's say as a guy, let's say you start dating her again. You're like, 
So earlier we used to be very close, but now since we're dating again, we need to start from scratch. We need to get the familiarity again and everything. And the girl is like, no, earlier I was a girlfriend and I was we were exclusive. And I want, we need to start there. Mm-hmm. We can't be like, we're not exclusive now. And they don't want to go back on commitment. Men don't want to go back physically. It's a little like that. Interesting. Have you ever gotten back with an ex? No. Not in a commitment way. Do you know people who have? I know people who have, but usually for them, it has been a mistake. For sure. Sometimes it's a mistake. And for rare groups of people, it for some reason works out. Where one of my really good friends, he got back with his ex. But the thing is, there needs to be a huge gap if you get back with your ex. Or this close friend of mine, they used to date at age 14 or 15. And then a decade goes on by. Now they're 24. They're pretty much different folks. They meet up again and then they get married. So, But if it's a, a month break, that's a, a bad thing. For the most part, though, getting back with the next is not right. Because you begin to glorify the good moments and you forget what led to the breakup. And you sweep that under the rug. I've had it completely crazy that people in the age of 15, 14, 16, 17 are getting into relationships. Like that is completely crazy by my standards, at least. Mm -hmm. A lot of them aren't really relationships. You'll just see a girl, you're my girlfriend now and I'm your boyfriend now. And that is (laughs) as official as it gets. (laughs) Oh man, you don't know the kids nowadays though. Yeah, nowadays, nowadays the kids are fucking at age 14. I feel like when I was 18, now that I look at these 14-year-olds fucking, I'm like, I was so innocent at 18. Like, I didn't even like think about these things that much. Mm-hmm. At what age did you have your first serious girlfriend? My first serious girlfriend was 17. It wasn't serious like that. It was Since it was my first ever girlfriend, I was understanding what it was like. It was a Spanish girl. So I was just like, oh, what's this girlfriend thing like? And this is when I had just gotten my growth spurt and I was getting attention from girls. Um, what about you? What about, was she Spanish Spanish or was she Mexican? She was Puerto Rican and Cuban. What do the Spanish people think of Mexicans and vice versa? Are you aware of it? Mm, what do you mean? Uh, is there supposed to be a stigma or? No, I mean, since they speak the same language, I'm sure mm-hmm. they can understand each other. So right. what do they think of each other? They don't think anything of each other because there are so many different types of Spanish folks and they all have their unique little twist to it where Mexicans have their own thing, Puerto Ricans have their own thing, Cubans have their own thing and such. And you can sometimes tell by how they do their rice and beans. Uh, certain groups, they put the rice in the beans and some people do it separately. And this is uh, this is how you can spot certain groups of folks. Um Dating a Spanish girl is unique, though, because it's they have a, a lot of similarities with Desi people, but some differences as well. They're similar in terms of uh, strong family values and, and such. In terms of, they have a lot of these things called dawats. You know what a dawat is, right? A feast. Yeah, these family get-togethers and such. Uh, Spanish people have that a lot. So they're similar in that regards. But in the Spanish home, from what I've noticed, divorce is way more common. So a lot of these people, like they'll have stepfathers, uh, stepmoms coming to these feasts, where in the Desi culture, that's often not a thing. 
man that is not a thing in desi culture mm-hmm. that's heavily looked down upon by the way right. unless you know someone died and then the person married someone else mm-hmm. but a divorce and remarriage is looked down upon oh yeah so a lot of these girls they'll have a step brother or step sister which for us that's not even a concept what the hell's a step brother step sister <laughs> so but you dodged the question when was your first relationship 21 22 okay that's not that bad or i mean it's not that late uh, did you know the girl beforehand or was it what was it no uh, so until i was 21 i was very focused on finishing my ca and i just didn't have the time to get into relationships and nor did i want to mm-hmm. but after that you know the questions start popping up you know when are you getting married and y- your friends are dating so i i've been in some relationships nothing super serious i just haven't had time right ever since 21 i've been into so many online businesses and i've been building too many things to get into like super serious living together type stuff I haven't done that yet but i go out on lots of dates lots of girls and you know it's pretty fun dating is time consuming especially it, if you're hypothetically doing what you're doing mm-hmm. building all these businesses it's difficult to date yeah so for example in a serious relationship you know my experience was that you kind of start thinking of the girl a lot and it's just like what the fuck i have more important things to do mm-hmm. so i haven't had many ultra serious relationships or anything like that i've dated girls casually though and gone out with lots of girls simply i mean to for me to you know ha- get out of the house and meet interesting people and just have a fun time talk to girls get, get to know how they are and things of that sort but when you see kids having like really serious intimate relationships i haven't done too much of that just haven't had time hmm so no i love you sweetheart no no not that not that yet <laughs> i recall man um there was this if you go through a bad breakup and you are really early on in your life or really late in your life and this is your first ever breakup and you don't know what the hell to do there's a process you need to actually go through so this actually makes me want to revisit a question that was asked to you in the past do you think it's better to get your first heartbreak over with in a early part of your life or a later part of your life i think you should be psychopathic enough that it doesn't affect you that much that's mm, my okay. honest answer I mean it's not like the best answer in the sense people want to hear it but you should be you should have so much going on that some bullshit like a breakup does not significantly impact you I mean everyone feels bad but you shouldn't get hung up on it you should move on fast if it's bothering you too much get a different girlfriend if your dog dies you get a new dog problem solved you don't overthink it I think some guys like to overthink they need they don't have enough going on in their life in the sense that i remember a breakup and i'm like i have three businesses to grow and i have customers to respond to customer support queries to see bugs to fix and i'm like i just don't have time to think about this breakup like, yeah done. because <laughs> because you have the you already have a lot of workload coming in where let's say you're a 40 year old guy you're doing the 9 to 5 grind you've been doing this for 15 years okay you have a wife of 15 years and such and then suddenly 
she divorces you and you still have the same nine to five grind, you have a lot of time to fill up uh, after that, right? And depending on the scenario, let's say she takes the kids and such. Now you're in this empty house. And this is where a lot of these guys either go crazy or they start to do some sort of activities. I learned about this from that one coworker I was telling you about where he was 45 and he did not know how to be single. Uh, so he started to learn from scratch. Uh, he started to do dragon boating, uh, joining all these different clubs. And it's a process because you have such a large body of free time, which you can't quite understand because you're always, what is free time to you? You're always getting new workload, new businesses and stuff. But for a person who has a corporate job, they're going to get that free time. I know what you're talking about. In fact, I think a lot of young people are affected by it where they get a job, they finish education. Now they're working a job. Their job is until six o'clock. And after the job is over, the education is also over. They don't have to study anymore. And they're like, what do I do now? I'm making good amount of money from my job. And I'm at home just sitting around getting bored. Mm-hmm. And that's how they kind of get into things like clubbing, partying, hookups. Because they just have so much free time. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I've noticed that a lot of very, what's the word for it? Puritan type people, they tend to be entrepreneurs. And a part of the reason why they have bad habits, why they have good habits or a lack of bad habits is they simply do not have the time to get into bad habits. I can't go out and party until three because I got shit to do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's true. Everyone has the I'm, demons in their closet, though, where the corporate folks, they their bad habits come in the form of becoming weakened warriors, where the entrepreneurs' bad habits, I mean, you could say workaholic, being work, a workaholic is not a bad habit, but some may say it is a bad habit, or the ability to have meaningful connections with others, or even have the time to be a good friend. Because to be a good friend, you need to invest a lot of time in it. And a lot of these startup entrepreneurs, they don't have that time. See, I've noticed one thing that the best way to make friends is to make, to make them through business. Because first of all, when you make a friend through business, they're extremely competent, intelligent people. Mm-hmm. Secondly, your friendship lasts a long time simply because you have incentives to be friends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For example, if I say something negative about you or I criticize you, you will not become offended simply because you know what I'm saying is in your interest and I don't have an incentive of hurting you because why would I hurt you? We'll make money together. Right. So friendships that are based on business tend to last much longer. They are much better in general. Mm-hmm. And I call, I actually have a phrase for it. I call it acquaintanceships where I got this question on the unapologetic truths podcast one time. It's like, well, are you, uh, are life math money and Armani friends? I'm like, we're technically friends, but we're technically acquaintances as well. We become friends in these episodes, but after these episodes, we're not over here talking nonstop. Uh, We have these hard boundaries. So we're sort of acquaintance and sort of friends. When you're too friendly with people you're doing business with, that's when they begin to take advantage of you. And that's when it'll be small things, but the small things begin to add up. And that's how a lot of these business relationships break. So I say, if you're going to work with the person, view it as an acquaintanceship rather than strictly a friendship. Needs to be both though, in, mm-hmm. at least in my experience. Mm, For example, okay. I, I've had friends who like, who won't charge me 
in the sense they're they're some kind of freelancer and they never charge me for you know any work that i need and in exchange anytime i come across someone that they can work with i recommend them so for example this person will never charge me for any of my work and in exchange i'll get them clients and that's it's not like some kind of that's not a verbal agreement but mm-hmm. that's just how it is you know they don't want to charge me because i'm bringing them so much business and i'm bringing them business because i'm not paying them right but for my definition that's what i'm talking about that's an acquaintanceship but let's say you and this guy are talking so much to a point you guys are just texting back and forth man that is not possible in business that does not no that does not work but some people do where remember that one episode where we got a content strike oh yeah the video that we were, that video we were reacting to uh, it was from the no jumper podcast so what happened with that show was recently a bunch of the most uh, influential people from that group left and they left in swaths and the ceo adam 22 it's like i can't believe it why did all my friends leave and then one of his people that stayed he said why he said it's because you were being too friendly with them we work together all day and then you create a group chat and you guys are over here joking around all the time and then you come back the next day you work again there was no boundary and since you uh, just had the friendship dynamic rather than half friend half acquaintanceship these guys got too comfortable with you and they ended up leaving so this is what i mean where you need to at this point me and you are talking like friends but if after these episodes me and you are just calling all the time hey life math money i think you could have done this i could and i'm going into your personal life that's eventually going to get annoying yeah one advice i can give to everybody is to not go into people's personal life just don't do it don't do it it would only creates problems you know when i was younger and less mature let's say when i was 19 Mm-hmm. I don't know why but I would find entertaining to learn more about people I'd be like so what happened then you know what did he say what did she say I was like a I was like a chick at 80 I think <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> what happens is that you kind of get involved in people's drama this way and nothing good comes of it Let me ask you something my life learning this is something I've learned do not get involved in people's personal life just don't do it it's First of all people's personal lives are not interesting. Mm-hmm. It's some dumb shit. Like some girl slept with someone else and like why do I give a shit? This mm-hmm. doesn't affect me. Or something like you know she said this he said that like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> are we going to make some money or not? Right. So when did this happen not... to you? Was there ever a moment where you got too curious about someone's personal life and it burned you? It's happened to me many times when I was much younger like when I was 19, 18, 17, things like that. I was a kid. And you know, when you're a kid, you find all these theories, stories, and you know what happens in people's personal life, it's gossip and entertainment. And as a kid, you enjoy doing it. And I was a dumb fuck. Mm-hmm. So I would get into it. And over time, say when I was 20, I think I remember this striking me when I was 19 or 20, like wait a minute. None of these people's personal lives interesting at all it's like dumb stupid shit why am i asking them so i just stopped talking about people's personal life if they if they if they bought it up themselves i'd be like yeah okay i mean i don't care figure it out you know i am not interested and i found that that was actually a really profitable and better thing to do just do not get into people's personal life avoid it and what happens is that a lot of folks that are over here talking about other people they're going to try to weasel you in to join them 
what's up with Harsh, right? I mean, he's a, he's a little weird at times, isn't he? And then you are being asked the question and you're in this environment. So you may say something and then this person will get this information and relay it back to you. A lot of people, since they don't have anything productive, they have so much free time for them. Starting drama is a form of activity for them. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Aunties do this. A lot of aunties do this. Aunties do this. There's a word for it. <laughs> you, you must know the word, yeah? Uh-uh. It's called chugli. Chugli? Yeah, that's a word for it. This is what it's called. Where they like spread out, where, you know, they try to get you to say something about someone else and they tell them. Mm-hmm. Hey, I heard you were talking about me. And that's how problems begin. And now you're over here resolving something and it's not... It's a problem, but it's not a good problem. Do not get involved in anyone's personal life. It's not worth the time, energy, and people's personal lives are really boring. Mm-hmm. They're not doing anything interesting. Most people are just watching Netflix and getting mad about some stupid shit. So just ignore it. See, focus on making money. Life will mm-hmm. be much simpler. Let me ask you something. Do your close friends, do they think you're a bad friend? None of them think I'm a bad friend. Most of the close friends I've had have had experiences where they really were stuck and I've, I was the only one who helped them out or something and they are usually willing to return the favor. So, No, not in that regard. Not in terms of character, but you hitting them up or wishing them birthdays, that sort of stuff? Yes, a lot of them think I'm a bad friend in that way in the sense mm. that if they're having like some kind of party or something, I just will not come sometimes. Or... Sometimes I like respond to their message after six days. I've been busy. I just had, haven't had the time. I don't mean it offensively. I just did not see your message. I saw it, but I just did not. I could not attend it. And you know like, they're oh. your true friends when they don't take any offense to that. They get they used think, to it. You know? they, that's just harsh being harsh. That's just Armani being Armani. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, I've had friends who were not used to people speaking honestly. And for the first few times, they're like, what the fuck? Like, did you just say that? And after a while, mm-hmm. they just realize, okay, so if you want something to be true, you ask Harsh. That's but, yeah, that a lot of... Mm-hmm. Bad friend thing, in the sense that not wishing people on birthdays, I don't even know when my own birthday is sometimes, you know, sometimes someone else will wish me. I'm like, oh, it's my birthday. Nice. Thank you for remembering. <laughs> <laughs> you get a call at 12. You're like, oh man, who's calling me at 12? And they say, right. happy birthday. <laughs> There's they begin singing to you in terms you get of a gift, but you don't get a you know give a gift back, stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. in terms of the character thing, uh, I'm pretty sure you, if someone hits you up uh, and they need something, let's say they're falling on tough times and this is your close friend, they need let's say a hundred bucks, you'll most likely give it to them. But this other stuff, the uh, g- going to their kids' baby shower or going to these activities that other people put a lot of pride in that if you have, let's say a corporate job that you can actually make the time for, because as I said earlier, I mean, there's that block of period that you have that you can do whatever. You're not necessarily working 12 to 18 hours a day. You can do that. You could be a great friend, but I noticed a lot of entrepreneurs or just people that are unusually gifted in a certain craft. They end up becoming bad friends in that regard where they're, they'll just go ghost mode on their friends for a long time. And then a lot of people take offense to it, but the real good friends say that's just Tom being Tom. You see? I know what you're on about. And I think that 
if you are friends with business people and entrepreneurs they get it i mean they live the same life as you do they are also extremely busy in the sense mm-hmm. that if i if you invite me for something and i come by but the event is supposed to last for 3 hours and i leave after 1 hour you're going to get it because i got shit to do i can't be around 3 hours for are you a master of saying goodbye without making it be known you just subtly sneak out <laughs> no, no no i tell them i got to go i got things to do Mm-hmm. and earlier i used to be very blunt about it in the sense that i'm not even joking back when i was younger i was still lmm without a filter and with much less understanding of human nature so it would be something like hey harsh can you help me take care of my grandma and i would say no and i would not explain anything i would be like no mm-hmm. and the person would get a little offended like what are you on about you know right why why no so after a while he learned like no i can't i have things to do on that day you kind of give a reason even if it's a made up reason mm-hmm. but back then when i was a teenager i'd be like no can you do this for me no <laughs> <laughs> and that people would get pissed off at that like what the fuck like who are you showing attitude to like i'm not showing you attitude you ask for a favor i'm saying no Mm, that's good I mean, at least you're laying down the law but how you even deliver the message at times via text the it, it could seem a lot more blunt than it is where if you're talking to someone for the first time and you're talking to them and they're just giving you one word responses that's fine if you have rapport beforehand where if i say harsh are you free thursday you say yes that's not rude because we have rapport um, already If your mom is doing that, you could do that. But if you're just meeting someone for the first time, let's say you're just connecting with them on that dating app and you're messaging them and they're just giving you one word responses, that is seen as rude. That's seen as, "Hey, I don't even know you like that." And to create conversation material with someone that you don't even know is difficult. And this person, a lot of them, they do that. They give you the one word response when they're too shy or they're too extroverted. when they're too shy obviously it's self explanatory they want the con- they think you're asking them questions because you're guiding them towards a bigger picture but the extroverted part may come as a surprise wait a minute uh, these people should be socially gifted no the reason that they're giving you one word responses is because extroverted people perceive rapport being quicker than introverted people so by the sixth message they think that you're their long lost buddy and they're giving you one word responses but let's say you're someone that you don't understand that this person is extroverted you're going to be offended by that and that's a problem a lot of people just give these one word responses without rapport being there in the beginning have you ever given someone one word responses as a way to reject them in the sense i'm not interested so i'm giving you one word responses i don't actually man i, I do the whole fizzle thing have you ever heard of the fizzle where you, no. you slowly respond back a little bit later your the the, the material <laughs> isn't as punchy as before because if you reject a girl i noticed they it bugs them and they'll they'll they start to go in their little like moods and they'll reframe it in a completely different context uh and so it's like you can reject girls but you got to sometimes know who you're dealing with because a lot of these girls they never get rejected and when you're doing that to them they just act unusual Oh man, I love rejecting girls for the same reason. <laughs> leave leave them on red. I leave them on tweet. red. Call them sister, you know. Um you know for example if a girl is like you don't like this girl 
you you start calling a sister it really bugs them because girls are not used to being rejected you're like a sister to me <laughs> <laughs> it really really bothers them like it, it there's something in their brain that does not like getting rejected you know girls are like we're the best all the guys are supposed to want me and here you are be like i can't do that this sister i'm too busy or mm. i have a call that this sister i can't make it and it bothers the crap out of them oh yeah no one likes to get rejected but i do notice that one gender can take it way worse than the other and there are guys like that too when guys don't like to get rejected they act like straight up weirdos they will start hounding you nonstop they'll lie they'll say oh, i'd smash her anyways and you don't want to do that you, you don't want to be that kind of guy that the sore loser yeah yeah you have to learn how to give a no learn how to uh, take a no as well and it happens to the best of us everyone gets rejected the problem is when you personalize that rejection and you hold it on for too long you really got to know who sense. you really got to know who you're talking to arman i've got to get going do we have any questions for the day yes we do um shivansu pandey what is the age of harsh is a person a failure if he is not a millionaire by age 30 i'm 27 years old i don't know how to seriously answer that question the second one i was a millionaire at 23 2324 simply because i was in business and the business valuation was pretty good i was making a lot of money at that age um to say that you're a failure or a success based on one number is a little short sighted mm -hmm. but i will say that if you are 30 year old and you have a dead end job like a cashier or something then then you failed yeah you got to fix that shit asap yeah and i would say what is your definition of a failure i mean there's different ways to look at it where career is one aspect but what are you prioritizing at the moment uh i mean in his case i think that he kind of means career wise because career he's talking wise. about an income yeah but go on okay if it's a career thing then you need to be working on something are, are you building a brand that you have ownership in or you own or are you an entrepreneur where you treat the company that you work in as a company of your own if so then keep moving forward a little bit uh, every day you'll notice if you study autobiographies history a lot of people did not make their first millionaire million at age 30 they made it later but at least they were setting in the motion so they had cumulative success so you want to just ask yourself at least uh is the motion there there's no motion there and you're just sitting and watching tv all the time that's a problem i want to some, say something here and i don't mean this offensively to anybody but i think what you said is a bit of cope in the sense that yeah what you said like a lot of people not make a lot of money by the age of 30 Hmm. If you study history you will find that a lot of people were doing a lot of great things by the time they were 25 26 27 28 29 30 Alexander wiped out the Persian empire and was basically the biggest global terrorist by the time he was 32 years old Chandragupta Maurya established the Mauryan dynasty before he was 30 a lot of great people did a lot of great things before they hit 30 a lot of money but even with money i'm not saying the not not to be great but i thought you were we were just talking about money right now even if you talk about money a lot of good businesses were started by young people in their 20s mm -hmm. john d rockefeller went into business really young age a lot of great businesses were started by very young people i think that 
nowadays you have there's this perception being created in social media and everywhere else where people like to pretend that the 20s are not as important all the success happens afterwards but really you if you wasted your 20s you have wasted the most important or a very very significant decade of your life where you had maximum energy very very little responsibility and the fact that you have wasted it already is a huge setback forever i mean you can still change course you can still be successful but this is a huge setback in the sense that if you were running a race the race started 10 years ago the people who were serious have a 10 year head start and i mean of course it's not a zero sum game like a race obviously but wasting your 20s is a huge hit huge and there are no two ways about it and i do think that when people act like you know it's not a big deal all the success comes when you're 60 i mean that's cool that's cool i didn't say that though man i i didn't say <laughs> no no cuz yeah, i i think you reframed it completely from what i meant i think more than anyone out well along with you that the 20s are one of the most important times and i think you need to be investing a lot in yourself especially if you're an entrepreneur my thing was a very realistic answer where are you physically going to have 1 million dollars in the bank some people are going to sure but if you're consistently building in your 20s that may come a little bit after 30s because this guy said exactly at 30 i'm not saying you start at 30 and then boom you're going to become a millionaire i'm saying get it started as early as you can from age 20 but his question was strictly about am i a failure at age 30 if i don't have a million bucks ah oh, i misunderstood you i'm sorry i'm talking about the skill you know no you got to build the skill sets man i don't know if whoever's listening to this got that interpretation that's what the level of mentality book is about you better build skill sets from the very beginning and your skill sets better provide value to yourself and other people as well um so i don't know if you thought from my answer that i was saying waste your 20s and then get started in your 30s i am completely against that philosophy if you wasted your 20s then in comparison to the people who have used their 20s you are far behind you will have to work 10 times as hard to catch up and you shouldn't feel bad about it because there is no point feeling bad regret is a wasted emotion you should make the best of whatever time you still have and do the best you can with it a lot of people have made it later in life it is by no means the optimal strategy to follow but mm-hmm. it is still possible and you should still do the best with what you can do for sure anything else with that one we have one nope. last question so this one's a little long um this is from omkar hi harsh and arman i wanted to ask both of you if you prefer a virgin girl for marriage and why is it necessary a girl to be a virgin for example if she was thinking of a long term relationship with her previous boyfriends but did not work and does it make you less of a man if you marry a non virgin girl as a lot of big personalities are married to the partner who are supposedly with non virgin girls thanks for taking the time to answer my question i don't want to get our youtube account banned <laughs> <laughs> that question we're not answering that you already know our answers by the way if he's asking us just google it you'll find our answers it's all over the net we were in the news for giving this answer we're not getting our podcast banned over this question we were on the But news i was on the news for answering that question yes answer yes, man <laughs> <laughs> you think we will actually get banned though 
we will definitely get um, that content thing where only 18 plus people can listen to it but to answer his question all other things being equal you should definitely pick a virgin girl because they tend to bond with you stronger they're purer and they are more feminine in the sense that they haven't been broken by life they are they aren't as hurt and damaged when you marry a girl who's been with many other men before she's much more likely to cheat much more likely to ask for a divorce and far less likely to believe in family values now of course there are exceptional situations but if you can i would recommend going with a virgin if you are a westerner i understand it's not possible i mean girls in the west are sleeping with guys at 14 years old so by the time they're 20 21 ready to marry it's it's just I mean you are expecting something that does not exist or much harder to find in the west i would say i'm sure you would agree with that i would agree with that but i would like to say what you just said it definitely is possible where a lot of folks already have that idea it's not possible at all but trust me it's 100% possible and there are certain clues that you could look out for which we could discuss in another episode uh, did you have anything else cuz i had a response to this as well he had a second question i kind of forgot what it was uh, it's on the it's on the chat does it make you less of a man if you marry a non virgin girl it depends you know in the sense that i mean if you're a king and let's say that you marry the princess of another country who's not a virgin but you marrying her kind of brings peace between your two countries then you're not less of a man for doing it but if you are some random guy you fall in love with some social media whore and you marry her yeah you're less of a man i mean look at what you accepted yeah i mean here's the thing first of all to answer this question i want to say that everyone has preferences out there some guys like short girls some girls like very husky guys with big beards some uh, girls like guys with a high body count because it shows that he's experienced and some girls uh, and vice versa is also true in terms of guys liking virgin girls where i'm pretty sure myself and harsh we prefer virgin girls okay but that is not to say that there's not another group of people who thinks it's a flex to say my girl gives me that porn star sex now the question is how the hell did she learn to give that porn star sex <laughs> right some Man, guys it's a t-shirt not cover like pre-learned what is wrong with these guys some guys bro i kid you not they want their girls to have somewhat of a body count so they're experienced so a lot of these preferences that we have are dictated by priorities if your priority is to build a family uh, with a pure girl then you want her to be a virgin or a very low body count if at all where if you want to be in a relationship predominantly for the sexual gratification and stuff that's your priority that's going to lead you to a preference of you wanting a girl with a body count so you really have to ask yourself what the hell are my priorities right now uh because whoever you're going to talk to they're all going to have different priorities and priorities dictate preferences so ask yourself what are your priorities rather than if it makes other people less of a man or more of a man and such look at what are you looking for in a relationship and then answer the question from there i'm going to interject here Mm-hmm. If your priorities are sexual gratification and sleeping a lot and the porn star sex, you don't need to get married for that. In right. the sense that you can just do it for free, get in a relationship, break up, whatever. 
you i mean someone whose priority is that also wants variety so you can like break up get a different girl etc mm-hmm. when you are marrying marriage is about children family and building something worthwhile you should look for the best possible candidate for that and history human knowledge all of our religions the study even science where they've done studies and just, you know found out these divorce rates when the girl has had sex before and it's not with you the chances of it not working out is much higher whenever you can you want to be the girl's first in a marriage and i understand in western cultures it's not possible but it's my serious recommendation to go with the virgin when you can if you if you live in the east i mean it's not that hard i mean it's pretty easy and a virgin girl is much superior to a girl who's not virgin all other things being equal i mean the people who argue against this they try to try to come up with like a straw man argument you know you have one girl who's completely uneducated and she's a virgin and the other one is educated and city girl can understand you and she's not a virgin i mean i don't mean that situation right i mean like you have two girls both educated both compatible with you personality wise and one is a virgin one is not go with the virgin if both are not virgins find a third girl who's a virgin and go with the virgin <laughs> this is about a marriage you know if this doesn't work for you half your net worth is going to be taken away from you your kids are going to be robbed years of your life will be wasted on some stupid ass court case and you will be very unhappy for a long time so make sure that you think through this decision very seriously a girl who could not be smart enough to find the right guy the first time is not a girl i would trust too much for a marriage that is just how i think and if you are just looking for sex do not please do not if you're going to like break up if you're just trying to like fuck a girl and break up just don't do it with a virgin man like let the leave the virgin girls alone and let them you know get married to some guy do public service you know if you want to just fuck around do it with a horse and no one's going to listen you, to that <laughs> when you want to marry marry a virgin or don't marry because it's not it's the chances of it working out with a non virgin are much lower and it's just frankly slightly i don't know i just it doesn't sit well with me like you know i have to take care of this person for the rest of my life and someone else got her for free wait a minute that literally does make me less of a man than the guy who had her before me mm okay so that that it, it literally does i mean if you think about it logically mhm let's say that there's a house and in that house i wrecked the shit out of that house i never paid to stay in that house and i completely damaged the house and then someone else buys it at full price the guy got ripped off mhm well yeah i i think with the east definitely that's a thing because would you say the but hold on hold on are the majority of the girls in the east still virgins i heard they're Are they cities, sleeping around too? In the cities they are but outside of cities it's still pretty good. In the next 20 years I think things will change we will become west 2.0. It's going to be harder for our children but for us our generation not so hard. I'm thinking he's from India. Omkar where are you from? Is that a Indian name? He's in India. So, you know, find a girl who stays with the family, hasn't stayed alone, doesn't travel alone. and is a simple homely girl because at the end of the day a marriage is about having a family 
building something great together and you cannot do that on a shitty ass foundation you cannot do it with a whore with that type of foundation you cannot build a strong family you know you cannot give good values to the kids because at the end of the day who my daughters going to learn from they're going to learn from their mother and if their mother has had a hoary past what what are they going to learn from her they're going to do you, the same things and worse you think anyone over anyone not a virgin is hoary past or do you have a certain number or it really Sorry, depends can you repeat what he said do you think when you say a hoary past do you think anyone who's a non virgin is in that category or is there a certain body count that will make them that category see there are what's the word for it it's it's not like zero and one in the sense that you're <laughs> either peter thielbuck harsh writes his own version in the sense that let's say that there's a girl with zero body count that's the best right i mean all other things being equal and there's a girl with a 100 body count she's been sleeping around left and right that's really bad but there's a girl who's had three serious boyfriends and it didn't work out I mean, that's also bad but not as bad as the 50 body count girl who was just sleeping around three hookups are much worse than three boyfriends but it mm-hmm. still depends yeah and the thing is what you just said india is eventually going to become west 2.0 where what's going on here is eventually going to go there where here's my perspective and nowadays to find a virgin girl it is rare it's not some people have this very defeatist attitude where they say it's 100% impossible no it's definitely possible uh but for the most part i would say it's not possible um so you have to get clear okay really for yourself like how important is that to you and then once you get important it's made important now you understand what your deal breaker is and and is not and this is a complex question which you'll discover in the next 15 to 20 years because sometimes a girl is it was with a sweetheart college um uh, person that they thought they were going to get married to and then it didn't work out and now she has that one right but let's say they fit every other part of your metrics and then you're looking around and you're saying dang like 85 to 90% of these folks are not virgins right now now this person is not a virgin either but she meets the other requirements you may not want to think like this right now because it's it's going pretty well would you say more than 50% of people in india in the dating pool are virgins 75 well now imagine when the thing flips that's when it's yeah. going to lead to a different line of thinking so the virgin thing it really depends on your location that's number 1 and number 2 depends on your priorities as well See I will I I I completely agree with what you said the only delineation I would like to draw is that regardless of how common not being a virgin is in is in any culture the point of a marriage is still the same it's about building a strong family with strong foundations and if you can't do it in your culture you just can't do it in that culture or you have to like settle for a girl that's not as good So my recommendation is if you want a family still strive to get the best mother possible because at the end of the day this is going to be the mom of your kids if you don't want that then just don't marry mhm mhm you'll have more fun more women if you don't marry 
a marriage is a sacrifice for a guy right you kind of give up the variety you are like this is the only woman i'm going to sleep with for the rest of my life and you have what's the word for it this is a huge sacrifice a man makes that women they just do not understand i mean they're not wired to understand this so you cannot blame them but they don't understand this in a western culture i am not fully convinced if the price you pay in both you know you can't sleep with any other girl anymore and the risk the 50% at risk of divorce is worth it for men so it's still a decision you have to make is this system of marriage actually worth the price you have to pay or not and in the west because of what you have described i would say in most cases it is not hmm i see and this is one of those things that it's still the data sets are still coming in new use cases are consistently being introduced where i've been seeing a lot of people coming in from overseas uh coming here and they have a different mindset and they'll marry someone that's let's say from the US and they have the old school uh, um the traditional mindset you see so the mar- marriage in itself it's not a one size fits all thing where the general thing is to have kids and have a family i agree with that uh but how you go about that it's going to be different stories for different people some people are going to get set up from a person that they knew for a long time other times it's going to be through a dating app and they can tell you whatever their body count is and stuff but you 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 can't fully know certain things you will know but a lot of the stuff um you won't know so my thing is in the east i think it's still somewhat clean i think uh there's arranged marriages going on are there love marriages is that still a thing it is a thing yes it's increasing it's becoming more frequent for people to get love marriages love marriages is a thing and is this is relatively new right relatively new but not unheard of it's actually fairly common nowadays within the past 20 years or would you say past century past 30 years okay so i would say relatively new or in the west there's dating apps being introduced there's mail order brides being introduced there's so you got a you got to really scope through all the data because get, getting too much data will just cause you analysis paralysis what do you want you want a wife and kids okay now optimize for that or there's a, a lot of guys nowadays that says like build a harem and stuff it's like you got to really have the mindset time <laughs> yeah the time bro it's a uh, have you heard of nick cannon no tell me dude nick cannon um he i would say has 12 kids right now and he's working to 20 from what he said and he just nice. every every other month he's getting these supermodels pregnant and it's causing uh, some some discussion people are saying well is he going to be a good father to all these different kids with all these different baby mamas and this is his version of what the future looks like yeah he says more people should be doing what i'm doing uh if they have the resources so nowadays everyone is building their own life path and you got to really be clear about what you want otherwise someone is just going to tell you what's their philosophy is and they're going to try to make you do it 12 kids uh, let me see well was a lot it's a big number yeah nice there was a king who had 400 kids both children and mind you he's been having i would say eight of these kids were born in the past 
three years. <laughs> well, he's been busy. He's a, busy he's a man on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> a good episode, my friend. A- any other thing you want to talk about? No, I got to get going. Actually, I have to go to the gym. Nice. All right, brother. Great talking with you. Let's see each other two weeks from now. And if you guys have any questions, leave it in the comments. We would love to answer it. Assuming you don't get us banned from YouTube. I'm going to bet people are going to leave us questions deliberately trying to get us banned from YouTube. (laughs) If you answer this, you're going to get banned. Let's do a competition. Who can leave the most controversial question? (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. And we were supposed to make it to at least 100 episodes. And there it goes, man. Only 45. Only 45. All right, brother. See you in two weeks. All right. Bye. Take care.